Pickaxe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Video Game Movie Podcast. I almost forgot the name again. I've only been doing this for six months with you. I should remember the name by now, really. It's really been six months. I don't think so, no. It's probably been about four months, but either way, we're getting towards the six-month mark. Um, To be fair, it's not like it's a hard name, Rory. The title literally describes what the podcast is. Yes, and that's what makes it difficult. So, this is our Valentine's Day episode. This is Valentine's Day. This is Valentine's Day. (laughs) Now, I'm going to be honest with you, if... It sounds like we're not really in the Valentine's Day spirit. Uh, it might be because we're actually recording this in early January <laughs> to get ahead of the game. Love is all around me. Yes. Well, look, here's the thing, right? Because I'm single and alone and miserable, so fuck Valentine's And that's what gives me joy. The uh, <laughs> the truth is, the reason we're doing Dead or Alive, which is the, the movie we're doing today... The DOA reason, Dead or Alive. It, is the, it, it gets stylized that way all the Do time, I. right? Doer. So, the reason we're doing Dead or Alive on Valentine's Day, because let's be honest, it's not really a romantic film, is because, well, Jamie, name me a romantic video game movie. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World? Is that romance? I mean, he's, he's, it's about fighting off a girl's evil exes to win her love. Well, look, if, if it's totally I mean, without getting I mean, love, like... I, I had some romantic feelings about characters in this movie, I can tell well, you that. Yes, so. yes, exactly. But my point is, is there's a, obviously a lot of video game movies that have romances in them, mm. but you wouldn't necessarily call them romantic films. No. Scott, I didn't think of Scott Pilgrim, to be fair, and that would probably be the closest qualifier. By the way, have you seen the news? They've confirmed they're making a Scott Pilgrim series. Okay. Mm. The the guy who wrote the original uh, graphic novels. Oh, okay, I've never read those, but I have. I, I, to be honest, I, I thought the film was okay. Mm. I, I need to watch it again to see if it's actually if it's actually good because <laughs> it's been yeah. so long. But anyway, we're we're doing Dead or Alive today, which I have on Blu-ray, US Blu-ray. But this US Blu-ray will play on UK players, so we're all good. Um, Dimension Extreme. Extreme. Now, here's the interesting thing about the Dimension Extreme version. They only ever released it on Dimension Extreme. <laughs> so, the Dimension Extreme is just the standard version <laughs> right, of this on Blu-ray. Now, we've got a quote on the front cover. The best movie adaptation of a video game so far. But the one thing they forgot with the quote... Was it's not a tribute to anyone. It's not a tribute to... T- so, literally, anyone could have said it. Well, probably the director's mum. It's it's just bollocks. On the back, we do have a quote that is given accreditation. It's one breathless martial arts action sequence after the other. By James O'Haley. Let's have a look. James O'Haley. It's it's definitely Irish. O'Haley. O'Haley. From Sci-Fi Movie Page. It's not even a site, it's a page. <laughs> well, at least, they've, uh, at least they've actually attributed that one to somebody. Yes, and, and I think that's going to be probably the tone as we go through this film. It's mm. like, well, at least with this, they've done something right. You know, like, even... It's, it's way below expectation, but at least they've got this little bit right somewhere. The rest of it's all bollocks. Mm. So I'm just going to read the, the blurb on the back. Yep, again. <clears throat> Allow me to be American. Filled with non-stop action, eye-popping martial arts stunts, and hot-ass-kicking women, DOA Dead or Alive follows a group of super-skilled fighters from across the globe invited to a remote Pacific island to compete for the $10 million title of world's best fighter. Led by pro wrestler Tina Armstrong and ninja princess Kasumi, the finalists must band together to defeat their sinister host, featuring the high-octane direction of Corey Ewan from The Transporter. DOA Dead or Alive delivers a draw-dropping, pulse-pounding, heart-stopping finish. 
and it got deleted scenes. East meets West are behind the action of DOA and a theatrical trailer. <laughs> now, here's something interesting about this film. Well, it's not really, I suppose, but everything I've seen online of this film, there's not much of this film, because let's be honest, most people don't remember this film. The ones who do don't really care about this film, except for, you know, maybe the, the opportunity to crack off now and then. There's, you know, it's not, it's not gone down as a classic. Let's put no. it that way. But there is obviously a big, well, a relatively big fan base, I assume, of Dead or Alive. And there's a Dead or Alive fan pages and forums and things like that. Now, I'll explain why I was researching stuff on Dead or Alive in a minute. But these particular fan groups, even within the depth of the fan groups... Anytime I've seen anyone share stills, they're always of, at maximum, DVD quality, usually lower. Mm. Usually, like, they've screen-grabbed something from YouTube at, like, 240p or something like that. Most of the imagery that's taken from this film online is absolute garbage. Right. But the Blu-ray exists. And I bought this in about 2008, so it's existed for a long time. There's no reason they couldn't have bought a Blu-ray or transferred the... Like, and I get it. Like I don't, like yourself, Jamie, you don't have a Blu-ray player. Mm. You're not necessarily overly enthusiastic about... You know, you're not sitting there going, I really wish I had a Blu-ray player. You know, like DVD yeah. does me. It's, you know, not for me. I prefer having the highest resolution. But that's, you know, different courses for different folks. But you think someone in a community that is dedicated... Like a dedicated community. You know, I love Dead or Alive, for example. Would go, I really want to see this in the best quality. You know, or at least to see screenshots of it at its best. Mm. But none of them seem to care. And maybe it's because they don't care about the film, and that's fair enough to in and of itself, because most of the fan groups slag it off relentlessly, which we'll get to in a moment. Makes sense, Resident Evil fans do the same to the Resident Evil films. Yeah, and they can't see the brilliance of that. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think there's... It, I just find it suspicious when someone's like... When you've got all these people that are like, I'm the biggest fan of this, and do you want to see it in its best quality? No. It's just a weird, it just feels like a disconnect to me. Mm. So, on cyberpunkstudios.co.uk, there is a blog, which we'll refer to a little bit, but I'll leave it, most of it for you to read on the blog. There are some character confusions, and we'll get to that as we go through the story. The screen grabs I've got on there are from the Blu-ray, and they're literally, and without any margin for error, the best quality images from the film itself that are available anywhere on the internet. Right. <laughs> because I checked <laughs> because of of some of the strange things on there if you go to subpunkstudios.co.uk and go to the blog you'll see it on there it's actually listed under VGMP for video game movie podcast because it's not anything to do with my normal cyberpunk work but it is interesting enough also on there by the way I know this is a sidebar there is a really early one of the, I think the first blog in the list which is actually for a video game movie that never got made but I have the um the pre-production notes for yeah. uh, because I the, the guy who wrote it is a, a guy called Ben Treblecook who lives locally yeah. and it's for a Sega video game called Headhunter that was released on the Dreamcast and later on the mm. PlayStation 2 that game had like quite an in-depth story, and there was rumours at the time that there might be a feature film of it, because it was so atmospheric. It was meant to be Sega's Metal Gear Solid, basically. But nothing ever came of it, and I didn't know if it had ever gone anywhere outside of a thought. But yeah, if you go on there, you can actually read the story breakdown, like the concept story breakdown from pre-production of that movie. So that's, a, then that's an exclusive. 
that's something unique for us. Yeah. I do unique shit. I translate the final episode of Sega Hard Girls, and there's someone actually in the Discord who's helping with that, and God bless you, Benjamin. And then with this, I've actually gone through... Actually, I sent you the blog, didn't I? You of did. what I've I done. Read tra- in, I read it in bed this morning. Yeah. It uh, was quite the morning wood killer. We'll come, <laughs> we'll come, we'll come to what it's about. I'll, I'll give you the, the brief. Basically, there's a character called Hitomi in the games mm. who is mentioned, named, and is supposedly fights in the film who is played by a man the way that the film is actually edited together, but the female Hitomi from the games is is legit in the film. It mentions this in the IMDb trivia. Yes. But uh, it doesn't have a reason for it. It just goes, oh, yes, despite the fact Hitomi's in the film, there's also a man called Hitomi. Yeah. So Who isn't Hitomi. Yeah, if you go through my blog, it's quite in-depth. It's not overly complicated or anything like that it's just in depth I've gone through everything to find there's actually three female characters that we don't really see properly a woman in white a woman in pink who I don't know who they are and actually Hitomi and she's in quite a few of the scenes she's on the plane on the way there she's in the atrium she's in the background of a few other scenes she's actually got she's actually fighting the woman in pink Mm. in the background of a training shot before the first round so it's not that that woman couldn't do martial arts, but we'll get to that in a bit. First of all, what well, I want to come to with this is that it's produced by your best friend. Well, I was going to say, should we start with uh, what what experience do we actually have with these this game franchise? I own every single game in the series. So you're a fan of this Apart series? Apart from the extreme games. I, I just have the fighting games. And, and funnily enough, guess which the only one I've played is. <laughs> <laughs> have you never played the fighting games? Uh, I've played... You have said before you don't like I games. have the demo for Dead or Alive 4 on my Xbox 360, oh. uh, which I played a few rounds on. Um, mostly my entire entertainment on it was seeing how many different wrestling moves Tina can do right. that I recognised from WWE because I was really into <laughs> WWE at the time. Fair enough. Uh, one of my disappointments with this film, not enough wrestling moves. <laughs> Bear in mind that her and her dad... Are uh, supposed to be wrestlers. Are supposed to be wrestlers and her dad is actually played a by a legendary WWE wrestler. Yep. Very few wrestling moves in it. Yeah, um, so I, I, it's clear to that, say that most of the characters are wrong mm, in the way that they're martial arts o- and they're trying. Other their than that, but I've only played Extreme Volleyball Two. Um, wow, which is it's a game. Of, well, you said you've never played it. Let me just explain briefly about Extreme. I've never Volleyball played it, too. but I've seen other people play it, like the game. Yeah, and stuff here's like the thing: it, it's not a game. It's it a series of mini games, isn't it? Well, it's not even that because they don't work. Oh, <laughs> the mini- I know the that there's a there's a there's a mini game where you each your girl and another girl stand on different floaty mm. objects, and you have to butt bump bounce, yeah, the other girl into the water. The controls, and you're sitting there going, mm, "This is a sport," and I've never seen this at the Olympics. The controls <laughs> are not responsive. Right. They're not very good at all. Which is um, surprising, because actually, here's, the th- here's why I've got the Dead or Alive games, um, weirdly enough. I've, I've got, even though I've got Dead or Alive on the Sega Saturn, like, I own the physical copy of mm. it. It only came out in Japan. But I started off with Dead or Alive 2 on the Dreamcast when it came out, and obviously, when you're 14, it's pretty hot. Well, um, yeah, <laughs> 14 but, playing extreme volleyball. But Ooh. the good thing with Dead or Alive as a video, like the, the actual fighting series, is actually I really like the mechanics. And I know that sounds a bit like someone going, oh, I like Playboy for the articles. Yeah. But the, the truth is, is there's yeah. a really cleverly implemented reversal mechanic. Yeah. So at first, like when you start playing the harder levels, you get completely dicked over you've really got to master how when someone attacks you've got to counter their move right. if you get good with counters you can rinse that game but 
it's most games counters are part of it, but they're not a huge part. Dead or Alive, I, they're almost the entirety of the game. Right. Learning other people's movement patterns and using them to your advantage to use their strength against them. So, it, and it's really quite clever as a gameplay mechanic. The problem is, obviously, most people I, I don't think are playing it for that. And I can never playing it for the jiggle physics, for the orbital breasts, <laughs> literally manoeuvre round as if the chest has that. But that, that full was, of iron. <laughs> that was the actual phrase they used in the marketing was jiggle physics, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they called it. Yeah, and what's weird is the way to activate or increase jiggle physics in the games has changed from game to game. Right in the second one. So in the first one, you ha- it had it was literally because it was a Japanese game, but the menus were in English. Uh, it was literally just the op- you go into options and it said breast bounce on off, right? Right, and if you turn it on, y- there was no gauge. It was literally on or off. If they were off, then they just like the breast just hung like they were part of the chest. They didn't move. They didn't bounce. Didn't do anything. Mm. If you had it on, they were going all over the show. <laughs> it's like you, the, you, the, I'm like these girls are giving themselves black eyes as know, they're doing them. You know Robin Williams, yes. God rest his soul. Have you ever seen his stand-up show? Yes, uh, where he's talking about fake boobs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's like, uh, fake boobs. You know they don't move, they don't bounce, they just ha. Straight forward. The lady turns and they're still pointing forward. <laughs> well, yeah, that's very much the breasts in Get a Dead or Alive. Before we start on the story proper, most of the characters and actors and things like that in this film are in other video game movies, some of which we've already covered. Yes. So, oh, <clears throat> at least one of those we're going to get to. Yeah, and I will open up with this. While it's directed by Corey Yuan... Yuan, yeah. Yeah, who did The Transporter. It's and produced, a whole bunch of Chinese martial arts films. Yes. It was produced by Paul W.S. Anderson... And Jeremy Bolt. Yes, Jeremy Bolt. Yeah, Jeremy Bolt and Paul W.S. Anderson. I don't know Jeremy Bolt. Uh, he also produces the Resident Evil films alongside... Paul W.S. Anderson. Ah, well, in which case, screw him. Him and Paul Anderson are like that. They're besties. That's Paul on top. Okay, shall we start the story? Yeah. So, we open up with a sweeping CGI camera going through a CGI Japanese temple. Mm -hmm. And when we get into the main atrium, Kasumi is there and is told that her brother is dead. Mm-hmm. She decides to leave the temple to try and find out what happened to her brother and get retribution. So, I have my first note here already. I no, just... no, go ahead. So, you know it's a good sign when the first line of the film has you thinking about a better video game film? <laughs> um, God. So, they say they refer to, is it her brother? Yeah, Hayate, yeah. Uh, oh, he's gone shinobi. Yes. That just, and that just got me thinking, oh, that's because there's never been a shinobi film. Imagine Revenge of Shinobi, which is an insane game. Yeah. Where you play as a ninja who, throughout the course of that game, if no one's ever played Revenge of the Shinobi, I suggest you get yourself an emulator and download it. You wouldn't Um, be suggesting emulation, would you say? Um, like, (laughs) you're a ninja, and in that game, you fight the Terminator, Spider-Man, Batman... Only in the initial releases of And Godzilla. Yes, that is true. I want that as my video game film. Uh, to be honest, I don't think they'll get the rights for those characters if we can dream. Movie. Uh, now, uh, Shinobi itself doesn't have a movie, but actually, recently, I learned about another video game movie that was... It's not Hollywood produced, it was a Japanese movie, but it was live action. Mm. A live action video game adaptation that precedes Super Mario Brothers. It was made in 1988 okay. in Japan, and it's called Mirai Ninja... The video game it's based on has three different titles depending on which region you're in. Wonderbar. So it's either called Cyber Ninja, Warlord, 
or Robo Ninja. But I bet Robo Ninja is the uh, American title. Probably Robo Ninja. Um, Robo Ninja for when you need robots and ninjas. Um, but the thing is, yeah, it, that that actually precedes Super Mario Brothers. I don't know how good it is because we haven't watched it yet. But the uh, that that's probably as close as we get. Though Shinobi is not a robot, so it probably wouldn't be quite the same. No. Uh, so yeah, she's told her brother's died. She decides she's going to leave, uh, despite the fact that if she leaves, her clan has to kill her. That is actually she accurate will to the also games. be Shinobi. Yes, though actually, so she calls herself Shinobi in the games as well. But there's actually a term for a female ninja that goes rogue. That's different. Shinobes. No, but <laughs> I don't think they do it quite like that. But at the same token, like the games get that wrong. So if, mm. you know, if she's a Shinobi, that's factually accurate to the game, yeah. even though the game got it wrong. Um, she, the guards surround her as she tries to leave. She's attacked by Ayani, the, which is the purple-haired ninja from the games. Yeah. Who, for some random reason, is not played by a Japanese actress. No, so we've got... Even though the character should be Japanese. So, yeah, we should probably name uh, a couple of these em- actors. Emil something? No, so it's... Uh, where is her name? Devon Aoki it's plays Kasumi. And she was previously... You'll see her as the, um, the samurai prostitute in Sin City. Oh, okay. uh, who throws the shurikens and stuff. The person playing Ayani is Natasha Malthe. Natasha Malthe, Malthe that's um, And she is... Uh, I've already seen her in stuff before. Uh, she was Blood Rain in Blood Rain 2 and 3 by Uwe Boll. <laughs> so... She knows how to pick them. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't rate her acting in this film. Don't get me wrong, she can do the stunt work in this film, no problem. But the, yeah, the acting is just like, yeah, all right, love. <laughs> Yeah. Kasumi uses a sword she throws a, a samurai sword at the outer wall to use it as a step so she runs over the backs of the other soldiers jumps on this sword jumps over the wall and does this really bad CGI drop like for some reason this temple is on a cliff mm-hmm. that is almost in the stratosphere and so it gives her infinite time of diving down where she loses her kimono and She's underneath she, no she just so happens to have a hang glider that's it a hang glider she has a hang glider prepped under her kimono mm. despite only just being told her brother had died so I, just in case my brother's died I'll wear a I'll wear my hang glider today just, just wear it all the time why not eh seems like a, to be fair if you're going to live on the edge of a cliff seems like a sensible thing to always have on you I suppose <laughs> but then the, the wall's there to stop you falling off so <laughs> there's a, basically a stylized shuriken that comes along mm. and sticks into or she grabs it mm. and it's her invite to dead or alive so I, I have a note here about the invites as well mm-hmm. I just wrote is the Predator organising these tournaments? Because <laughs> it kind of looks like the disc that the Predator throws. To be honest, I think this film would be better if the Predator was... It like, is. if you remove Donovan, put him mm. as the Predator, then when he's trying to win, he just fucking laser blasts them like he does yeah. guys in the jungle. That would be amazing. Um, and I, I believe this is where we now get our flashback to the pirate. Not the flashback. Uh, we get Tina's introduction yes. now, don't so we? So Tina gets introduced by on a Jamie yacht. Presley. Yes, that's it. And she's... If you watch video game the driver, yes. So Jane Presley has actually been in video game adaptations before. Oh, okay. She was in Mortal Kombat Conquest. Oh, really? The TV series. She wasn't a main character and like a name character. She was. She was a a kind of a name character in the series, but just not in the games. She played basically a pay on to another female villain. But yeah, so she's been in video game stuff before, only the once. Why don't you reveal who the yacht captain is? That's Kaplan from Resident Evil. It is indeed. It's like Paul W. Sanderson just pulled all his mates back in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah well, it's almost as if that happened. Uh, but anyway, so the pirates turn up. Yes, and the lead pirate is played by Robin Shu, who yeah. played Liu Kang 
in Mortal Kombat, and he was also plays Jen in Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li. Oh, okay, I literally just wrote Liu Kang exclamation. Yes, point. it's Liu Kang wins because uh, I, I was looking at him going, that kind of looks like Liu Kang, but if he was on meth. Obviously, he looks quite he does, fucked up in this. Yeah, he film. does look like he's on meth. Like, well, that, that's absolutely makeup. the makeup and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, not saying he is on meth. He's he's good at. It's a tiny little role, but he's good at it. I am surprised he wasn't given a bigger role because he is a known quantity. Yeah, like maybe, more so. <laughs> maybe he had the good sense to look at this and say, "Hell no." Although, to be fair, no, just give me a, sh- a little bit of money to be although, on the boat. To be fair, controversy time. This film is well better than Mortal Kombat. No, no, this you're film wrong. is so much more. Enjoyable I will say it's. Than Mortal Kombat. I'd, I'd say it's fun, definitely. Yeah, but it's much better than fun. Mortal Kombat. Much more fun than Mortal. All right, Kombat. well, we'll come to that as we get towards the end. I, oh, that this, is that is that is going to be controversial. This, though. this next scene is what it's all about, my friend. Right. Oh. So oh. Robin Shu attacks with his mates from Mortal. From the, these four pirates, she, he threatens her, so she ends up beating them up. And she gets her invite to the Dead or Alive. So then we come to Christy, yeah. who is played by Holly Valance. Who so uh, <clears throat> embarrassing fact: I have both of Holly Valance's albums. Okay, from when she was a musician. Are they good? <laughs> they're all, they're all right yeah. as far as as far as early noughties pop music goes. I suppose the, the highlight is Kiss Kiss, which is the one everyone knows. Right, gotcha. But, um, <laughs> she peaked with the first single. But basically, it's, uh, I got to admit. So, Holly Valance, yeah, is the hottest person in this film. But not just hot it, yes. But she she is the highlight of this film for me, surprisingly. Because yeah. I, I went into it like, fucking hell, <laughs> pop stars trying to be actresses, here we go. She pulls off the role really She's, well. Honestly, mm. this film would be improved a thousand percent if she was the main character. Mm. And I've got to say... The problem is, though, is that her character is super inaccurate. Oh yeah, yeah, forget forget gaming, forget the if game. If it was its own unique story, I would I would see a film with her in it. I know you're not allowed to say anymore that you want sex to be part of a film, but fuck it, people do. People are sexual beings. She has got everything. Like she's she's a good enough actress. I mean, she's never going to win an Oscar, but she's a good enough actress to carry off the character. She's sexy as hell. She's funny. She does fun- really well with the stunts as well. Actually. She does well with the stunts. She does well with the comedy. There's a scene later on where yeah. she genuinely made me laugh. Okay, and I've got to admit, I love this introductory scene, which is so ridiculous. Ridiculous! It's it's yeah. I mean, and it's so porno. Like, like did you listen it, to the music? Yeah, yeah, no. They knew what they were doing with this scene, as far as what they were going for. So, Christy exits a hotel shower in just a couple of small towels, and the FBI are in her room, and they want to arrest her for stealing a bunch of bank diamonds. Mm. She disrobes and sexily pulls on a pair of knickers and asks the FBI guy to hand her her bra. So he picks it up with his gun for yeah, some reason. It's got to be his penis metaphor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's got to be a penis hands her, the, hands her the bra and she uses the opportunity to slap the gun out of his hand, beat him up a bit, leaving her just in her underwear. She uses the towels to whip the other FBI agents in the face and knock them out. And then we get a, a, an overhead shot, like a bird's eye view of her topless as the bra falls down and she slides, slides her arms through the, ho- through the holes and grabs the gun. So. Then she asks the FBI guy to do her up, which is to do up her bra. Yeah, which, uh, I'm not going to lie, teenage Jamie was a bit like, oh, hello. 
Teenage Rory was secretly like, mm-hmm, yes, tell me more. Not going to lie, 31-year-old and single for four years, Jamie, was a bit like, oh, yeah. Probably is I just said Teenage Rory, but this came out to the... I was 20. Jesus, Rory. So there was no Teenage Rory watching Um, this film. So here's my first piece of trivia for this film, and it's why I might need to borrow your Blu-ray copy. You don't have a player. So apparently... Well, I might need to get one now for this. So um, <laughs> apparently that scene was originally intended and was filmed... With her with naked. Her fully naked. Jeez. And in post-production, they took out the nips and everything to get a PG-13 rating. But apparently the deleted scene is out there. Is it? Are, are there deleted scenes on this Blu-ray, Rory? There are. I'll have to watch that again. It's... <laughs> I don't know if that sequence is in the, the deleted scenes here. I will have um, a look online. Yes, uh, but yes, most certainly. I mean, if you really want the deleted scenes, Jamie, I can rip them for you. That really but doesn't no, bother in, me at in all, all. In all seriousness, though. See a little the, bit of uh, Holy Valance nip slip. In, in all seriousness, though, <laughs> I, I like, as you know, I'm a fan of... Um, Women. Well, yes, but <laughs> I'm a fan of the old school grindhouse exploitation type films sure. from the 70s and the 80s. And what I like about Dead or Alive is it almost feels like it's going in that tone. Okay. Not quite. Like I think the film would have benefited. To be honest, I would like to see a grindhouse exploitation type film with Holly Valance playing this character. Okay. Like she's badass. Yeah, she's not going to win any Oscars for it, but she's badass, she's hot. She's the accent was doing it for me for some reason, and I don't usually like the Australian <laughs> accent. But yeah, no, Holly Valance is actually I went in thinking she'd be the worst one cuz you know, usually she's when a pop, pop stars star. become yeah. actors. Although to be fair, I think Holly Valance might have been an actress first on she was Neighbours on, yeah, or she was Home a, and Away, one of those Yeah, two. she was on one of those Australian soaps, a bit yeah. like a, a kind of actually a bit like Kylie Minogue and I, she she appeared in Street Fighter. So Did she? Kylie Minogue is Cammy in Street Fighter. She Kylie Minogue is Cammy. Yeah, she's the British. But Cammy's like a hench as fuck soldier woman, isn't she? Yeah. She's got the really big muscular legs, yeah. isn't she, in the yeah. game? And she's British. And she's British. Yes. Yeah. So they cast Kylie Minogue. Because yeah. Americans don't know the difference between Australians and Brits. <laughs> well, true, true. But um, yes, no, I liked that scene. Yes, uh, so perhaps, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so after beating up the FBI, she leaves in just her underwear and enters a lift where there's an old man who's like, there's mm. an awkward silence. When she exits the lift, she's wearing his clothes and he, she's somehow zipped him into a small holdall bag. That made me laugh, yeah. I have to admit. She then jumps on a sports bike by BMW, because obviously got to get the cash monies, and rides off. And as she rides off, one of the shurikens hits the front of the bike, doesn't knock her off, hits the bike and gives her an invite to DOA. So we're then introduced to Helena Douglas. What's weird about Helena Douglas whoa, in this? Whoa, whoa, Are you sure? I might have skipped something, because there's have... the plane ride first, isn't there? So the, Yeah, so there's another flashback with Kasumi, because some I wrote down this bad line. Someone says, Kasumi has abandoned the temple. She has become Shinobi, an outcast. That's an unnecessary line. Shinobi means outcast. You've already told us in the yeah, film. Yeah, but I think outcast. I don't think they think the teenage boys will know that. But they've already told us in the film. I in suppose the they have. Scene. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, also, uh, then it's the plane. The it's the plane. Yes, because I have pointed out that Bass, yeah, uh, Tina's dad, is played by WWE legend Kevin Nash. Right. Who Sorry. people might also know by the name Diesel. Okay. Vin Diesel. No, no, no. He's, he used to wrestle under the name Diesel. Oh, okay. He was part of the Click. 
along with four um, star and unled. No, 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 it was <laughs> it was D's. It was Kevin Nash. Sean. Do you even remember four star fuel? No, what's four star fuel? Hell. So in petrol stations, you had three fuels. Right. You had green for unleaded. Yeah. You had red for four star. And then you had black for diesel. diesel. I remember diesel and yeah. unleaded. And then you and you also had super unleaded. They got rid of four star in I think the late nineties, right? And replaced it because it was too toxic. And so they just went. Everything's going to have to move over to being unleaded. Yeah. So they got they scrapped all the four star cars, right? So that you could only buy unleaded and diesel. Kind of like how by twenty thirty they're going to scrap all petrol cars. Probably, yeah. And it's like, but yeah, so I just can't believe that because I always remember four star fuel. I had because I remember my parents going, "Oh, we need four star." Mm. No, don't put any uh, unleaded in the car because it will blow up the car. Nobody remembers four star anymore. I'm like, I'm so yeah. old. I remember <laughs> a fuel that doesn't exist anymore. I might as well be just going. Do you remember ethyl? Putting ethyl in your bike. <laughs> So old. To, to be fair, I'm old enough that I remember when Walker's crisp packets were the opposite colours. Oh, what the green and the when salt the, and vinegar was blue and yes, I remember. And, and I remember yeah. when Starburst were called opal fruits. Yes, yes. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I want to talk part of the click, which was Kevin Nash, Sean Hall, Sean Michaels, and Triple H, and they not that anyone cares about wrestling history, but just a brief portion of wrestling history. Um, obviously, we all know wrestling's fake. Everyone's known that for a long, long time. In terms um, of the actual, the way the fights go, obviously, the, oh, yeah, yeah. the, the physicality is oh, still f- real. No, those people are talented as shit, yeah. and athletic as shit. But it's just um, like the, the, the way the fights go in the stories. Are and what, what, what they call the, the in-universe reality is called kayfabe. Right. Um, so, like, for example, the idea that Undertaker and Kane are brothers, that's kayfabe. It's oh, not so true. they're not actually brothers. Okay. No. Um, anyway, back in the day and throughout the 80s and everything, although everyone kind of knew wrestling was fake, WWE would never admit it. Yes. It was like, no, no, Hulk Hogan really is the greatest man ever born, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the Click were one of the first wrestling groups to ever break kayfabe, and they actually got in a lot of trouble for it. Sean Hall and Kevin... No, Scott Hall, sorry. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash had signed to go to WWE's rivals, WCW. Right. And on their last night, which I believe was in Madison Square Garden, um, bear in mind, they were playing, I think they were bad guys, and Triple H and Shawn Michaels were meant to be playing good guys. Okay. But in reality, all four were best mates. Yeah, yeah. And they hugged each other at the end of the night in the ring. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and broke kayfabe, but because... The Sean, number of confused, but <laughs> sensitive right-wing men. So Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, obviously, they left the company and went to WCW. Yeah. Shawn Michaels was the world champion at the time and pretty much the most popular wrestler going at that point. Right. So the only one who could actually get punished in the group was Triple H, oh. who was not the megastar he is today. Sure. Back then, he was quite new. new. Yeah. Um, and Vince took took it out on him like you wouldn't believe. He, he basically went on a losing streak for like a year man. where he didn't win any matches as punishment for having done that. That's insanity, oh, man. Vince, but, honestly. No, no, he, I know, he's, I've heard his yeah. of him being an asshole. No, he's insane. He's legitimately yeah. a crazy person. A genius, yeah, yeah. obviously. But, but a crazy man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Crazy like a fox. <laughs> so, this... Okay, so the plane is probably a good juncture for me to jump on a little bit about what's in the blog. They, we mentioned it's about the character Hitomi. In the games, there's a fight over there for you to see, I know, obviously. Mm-hmm. Go on the website blog if you want to see it yourselves. It's a, a young woman with long brown hair, a pink hairband... 
what is double denim basically a denim jacket denim jeans and a white or yellowish undershirt um in the film she's played by a guy with bouffant black hair well it depends so this is where the blog comes in there's realistically there's like two jan lees but only one of them's credited as jan lee but there's there's so much crazy shite on it. Anyway, this woman physically appears. And she appears on the plane, though you only see the back of her head. When they first arrive at the atrium with Donovan, which we'll get to in a bit, she's there. She's in the background of certain shots. This is where she first appears, as well as the male Hitomi that is credited as Hitomi, who I think is actually Jan Lee, because the guy who's credited as Jan Lee is not on the fucking plane. Except for one shot where he's playing... The man in yellow. Literally, the man in yellow. I'll show you the focus. I added that today. The man in yellow is swapped for one shot with the guy who actually plays the credited Jan Lee. So there you can see, that's that guy who plays Jan Lee mm-hmm. in the fight. But that is that guy who plays Hitomi in the Helena fight. Are you sure they're different people? They are different people. You can. They do not look at all alike. The uh-huh. hair is completely different. The eye shape is different. The chin shape is different. I was paying a lot more attention to the ladies in the film. Well, uh, the, here's the thing. Because right? we're about to meet Helena as well, yes. who was another one who set my heart going. The thing is, she's completely wrong as well. Helena in the care. games is the oldest character. She's yeah, French. She's in this, crap. she's like this teeny bopper fucking on skates yeah teen girl on skates I never never thought I would have a sexual fantasy about a woman on rollerblades until I saw Helena and realised yes I would like to have sex with a woman on rollerblades that's very interesting But she's the wrong. film's doing what it's meant to do, man. I suppose it is. Here's the thing: like fans of this who moan about it being wrong are accurate. I'll be honest. I think Jane Presley is a very good Tina. Holly Valance does a brilliant job with the role, but she's the role is wrong mm. because she's meant to be a psychopathic assassin with silver hair. She's and a she's, thief. In she's this. a blonde thief who's happy go lucky. People say blonde. She looks silver in most of the shots. To be fair, does she? Well, like platinum blonde, like white blonde, like Daenerys okay. Targaryen blonde. It's, it is kind of it is a light blonde, mm. it, but yeah, it's definitely blonde. Either way, so there, there seems to be a lot of th- things that they they obvious shit that they got wrong from the script level as well mm. i'm not going to blame the cast i don't think they had anything to do with what went wrong here um but yeah helena douglas is introduced uh and while we're on the plane zach walks up and acts a twat to tina in base because he's trying to flirt with tina and treats her like she's nothing this is do you remember in one of the do you remember in the hackers episode we mentioned that white Hollywood screenwriters have a a way of writing black characters that's very stereotypical and not very accurate. Zach. That's Zach. Yeah. Like, he's proper, like, yo, I'm from the hood. What I have to say, though, Brian White, who plays Zach in this, Mm. I actually think he's really good. Oh, yeah, he's doing it well. Yeah. He's doing it well, and and he's funny. But the thing that makes me think he's doing good isn't just, like, because he performs, like, the sleazy part of the character well. It's that there's a point where Tina attacks him because they're matched up, but the match hasn't started yet. And he's like, so you're just going to do this here? And he looks genuinely hurt, like, not injured, but, like, upset. It's like, why would you ruin everyone else's fun? And he, like, that legit come like, this guy can act. Yeah, this guy, I have no (laughs) doubt this guy can act. Uh, He's got excellent comedic timing. Yes, he He, does. Him and Holly Valance, I think, are the only two characters in it where any of their comedy actually works. Yes. They both actually have comedic timing. Yeah, I think I can agree with you on that. Yeah, as comedic characters, they're the best two. Suddenly they have to they're told they have to parachute out 
They can't oh, just sorry, ride I've, the plane I've, there. I have one more point. No, go ahead. So I'm about to make the film better. Okay. Like we did for Resident Evil, remember when we rewrote yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy playing Max. Yep. Max is the British smarmy guy who's Christie's ex-boyfriend. And isn't in the games. Yeah. Made up for the film. A hundred percent. This guy's lovely, I'm sure. But how much better would this film be if that man was played by Matthew Lillard? I mean, he wouldn't have the smooth element that yeah, I yeah, think the character's but, meant to have. Yeah, but, but he, he didn't feel smooth. That's the point. Yeah, I suppose. He felt like a goofball. And let's be honest, this guy kind of looks like Wish.com Matthew Lillard. No, he doesn't. Look at his face shape. No, he doesn't look anything like Matthew Lillard. I disagree. He looks more like James Marsden, but then... Uh, he, actually, his surname was Marsden. What he was looks, his name? Matthew looks, Marsden. Maybe he's related to James Marsden. Maybe he is. But and, and no offence to Matthew Marsden, and I'm sure it was much more pleasant for Holly the Lance to have a sex scene with him than it would be for Matthew Lillard. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> game but, over... No, no, not game over, man. That's fucking... I was trying to quote aliens. him... Yeah, I'm trying to quote the scream. I, I think I'm dying, man. Yeah, I feel like, a little woozy here. Yeah. It's because it ends in man and I just <laughs> defaulted to aliens <laughs> yeah. for some reason. Uh, but no, I, I think you could have improved this film by having... Because there are bits later on where this Max character is meant to be a little bit goofy. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, slight spoiler alert, there's a bit later on where he accidentally wins a fight yeah. by kicking his shoes off. How much funnier would that have been if, if it, it was, was Matthew, Matthew Lillard? Lillard? Yeah, I'll agree with Taking that. out that giant man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll agree with you on that. So they have to parachute out, mm-hmm. and they're told they have to get to the compound before sundown. Anyone who's not at the compound at sundown is disqualified. Mm. so the music comes in it rocks the surround sound is fucking awesome yeah. I know you wouldn't have heard that anyway but like oh, it's amazing <laughs> the music in this film is pretty good actually from Junkie XL because mm-hmm. it rocks where it really needs to and it gets the blood pumping and, and then the rest of the film the blood pumps for other reasons <laughs> the three leads which is cause, uh, let's be clear the three leads in this are Tina, Kasumi and Christy. Christy the other characters are kind of there to pad out the story yeah. So those three land together. So I, I've got a bit here that yeah. might be a controversial opinion. Okay. Uh, have you seen Avengers Endgame? No. So, minor spoiler. There's a scene in Avengers Endgame that a lot of people complain about. And I don't just mean incels. I mean actual people who usually would support actual this kind people. of stuff. People who would usually support this kind of <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. They also there's a bit where Marvel have tried to go for a big girl power moment right in the middle of the final battle where they suddenly have all, I've heard about this, yeah. All the female heroes are suddenly even though we're literally in the previous shot, some of them are on the opposite end of the battlefield. Yeah. All of a sudden they're all together and there's this awful, like really crowbar the meaning behind it's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the scene itself is crowbarred in where you get this like music swell and all the female heroes are there and they're like, Yes, she's got help, blah blah blah. Uh. And I've put here, this is how you actually do girl power in a film. These three girls, despite the fact they're all meant to be rivals... Um, end up helping each they other all out. end up helping each yeah. other for the greater good and they work so well as a team together that when they get to the top and Kasumi falls, doesn't she? They save her. They Just instantly, her though. Like, the way it's done is so... Good. Fluid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And they don't crowbar it in. There's no like. No, it feels natural that that should be there. I mean, the CGI yeah. in those in in the drop is a bit pants, but yeah. then the CGI in this whole film is pretty pants. It doesn't um, feel like the film stops and pats itself on the back. Yeah, it's not like hey, we did one for the girls. We're so but cool. I have got that. I have got that they missed a joke here. Okay, 
to me, the obvious joke. Because they get to the top and Max is already at the top, isn't he? Yeah, it? and he's like, Hey, what took you guys so long? Which so, which proves that they kind of were going for the joke, but they just didn't do it right. Everyone else should have already been at the top from the plane, like Bass and that lot. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It should have been like, there's an elevator right there. Yeah. <laughs> that should that have been, been better. Joke. Yeah, that would have been better than just having Max there. Uh, also, how did Max and everyone else get up there? Did they just take the worst route? They must yeah. have done. Those three together must have just taken the worst route. So now we, we they're entering Donovan's compound. Helena leads them in. It's at this compound, there's a few shots where you see like the Hitomi and the other two random girls, uh, but we see all of the cast together, except, and this is where the first plot hole really is, the person credited as Elliot and the person credited as Jan Lee in the film, who are in the first round of the tournament, they're not there. Right. And yet there's like, well, well done, all of you who have arrived, you're in, obviously anyone who isn't is disqualified. It's like, well, maybe the fucking Elliot and Jan Lee then, why aren't they in the atrium? So this is where we meet Donovan, isn't it? Yes, this is where we meet Donovan, who's played by Eric Roberts. Yes, who is the brother of Julia Roberts. Yes. And also is where I got all happy because it's my first Doctor Who reference of the film. Go on. Do you know the reference? Nope. Eric Roberts has the distinction of being the only American to ever play the master in Doctor Who. He was the master in the 1996 television movie opposite Paul McGann as the Doctor. Yeah. Um, Was he cast as bait? uh, So he was cast because... I'm just wondering if he's the master bait. Ah, ha, ha. No, he was cast because basically uh, BBC cancelled Doctor Who in 1989. Yes. Steven Spielberg's company were then interested in the rights and wanted to move it to America. So the the film, the 96 film, is a joint production between BBC England and BBC America. Okay. It's a fascinating story about trying to get it made, actually. Sure. Um, so eventually Spielberg dropped out. Like They were actually trying to make yeah, yeah, it yeah. for years, like With from Spielberg, 1989. Yeah. Spielberg dropped out to go off and do Jurassic Park as much as I love Doctor Who probably the right choice for Spielberg's career Um, and basically the BBC wanted like BBC America were like oh well the Doctor needs to be American it all needs to be American yeah and there was a fight to keep everything as British as possible so the agreement was that the Doctor would stay British the police box would stay and everything but that the companion, Grace, would be American, who I believe is also the first companion who ever kissed the Doctor, um, which in the new series seems to happen all the fucking time. Well, to be fair, only when it was David Tennant, he snogged them all, but to be fair, he's a good-looking man. And the Master uh, is technically... Eric Roberts technically almost doesn't play the Master. He plays a human police officer who is possessed by the Master. Right. Because the Master is a weird, badly animated CGI jelly snake. Oh, that's not a bad choice. That's not a good choice. Uh, The highlight of the episode is Eric Roberts in... Have you ever seen what Time Lord robes look like in Doctor Who? With the no. great big collars? Right. They're very goofy looking. Yeah, sure. They've got these great big collars. They and were quite common in, like, sort of 70s and 80s. Yeah. Like, we are the masters of the thing, so we'll have the biggest collars yeah. in the universe. So there's yeah. Eric Roberts in this gown with this great <laughs> collar. And for some reason, they never did this with any other master. He's got Wesker eyes. Oh, like the lizard the cat, slit yeah. eyes. Yeah, um, and he's he he does a fine job, but it's just really weird that he's the only American. That the the other masters are all British. Okay, uh, but he was just American for one brief period. Fair and enough. Fair play to Eric Roberts, though. Uh, he has come back 
to re-voice the master in big Finnish audio dramas. Oh, that's You'd cool. think he'd be too big for that. Yeah, I mean, he's been in things like The Expendables. He was the villain in the first Expendables movie. He was, he's, yeah. with Stone Cold <clears throat> Steve Austin as his lackey. Yes. He's in Akon's music video. You know the song Smack Yeah, Back? yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in that. He's in quite a lot of relatively high-profile stuff. So, yeah, he's, he's, I actually, actually, I actually, he's a very like, good actor. I actually like Eric Roberts. Yeah. He, he's in a lot of action stuff, and, it, and like you can see why in this. He's built. <laughs> the man is built. He's... I've never ever in my life seen him play a good guy. Like, no, he, that's he's, a good point. He's default smarmy, smug American villain. Yeah, and but I, he plays it well. I've, I've always <laughs> pictured him a bit like Christopher Walken. Obviously, Walken's a better actor, but Christopher Walken, Walken is always Walken. Christopher Walken doesn't. I think that's only something he started doing in the last decade or so. Okay. Um, if you watch some of his '80s stuff, he actually is playing characters. Okay. Walken famously never turns down a role, and I feel Eric Roberts is probably the same because, like, Eric Roberts will. Well, put it this way. Well, I looked film... at Eric Roberts on IMDb, mm-hmm. and I was like, right, I want to see if he's been in any other video game movies. So I was scrolling down the list, and it took me a while to realise that I'd scrolled a couple of widths, like a couple of page mm-hmm. heights. And I realised that all the dates were still red, and that means that they're all in pre-production yeah. or production or post-production. Yeah. And I was like, he's in like another 30 yeah. to 50 films that are not out yet. Yeah, he's very hard-working. He's actually, I'm sure he is, I'm, I might need to double-check myself before I rickety-rickety-wreck myself, but um, <laughs> I'm fairly certain he is in a horror, a low-budget horror movie that is premiering at Horror on Sea this month. Wow. No, not this, this is coming out in February. Yeah, so last, last month. <laughs> January. That we all watched. Uh, which we haven't because well, we might, haven't been yet well I might, I might do because no no I'm not saying we're not I'm just saying that obviously yeah. of course we watched it because it's February well now. I might have done because we're premiering the uh, we're premiering the haunted. haunted trailer at Horror on Sea nice and we haven't picked what film we're premiering I'll be going yet. as well it's, I'm just saying because we can't, haven't watched it yet yes no technically we should have done because <laughs> it's February the um, future the future is now so there's a gratuitous scanning scene of everyone where everyone's slipped down to their skivvies and they're being scanned by this yeah. big swirly thing for no reason. But there are still people missing from that. Is this where the nerd is perving on Elena? Yes, yes. Weatherby. Weatherby. Um, Played by the bloke from Stan Helsing. Right. That sounds like a legit film. It's not a good film. No, well, neither it's, is this. Put it this way, this is the sense of humour of Stan Helsing. It's got a lot of breaking the fourth wall jokes, which I do like, yeah. but one of its fourth wall jokes is used for a very puerile joke where they have to climb through a pipe and they let the ladies go first to so this attractive blonde lady who's in it in a short skirt. She goes in first, then Stan Helsing climbs in after her and they're going down this pipe and obviously she's in this short skirt so he can see her underwear and he stops stops, looks at the camera and goes, you know, now would be a great time for a reverse POV shot. And the camera does it and you see a camel toe. Oh, that's dis- that's disgusting, but... <laughs> that's the yeah. level of humour that it's working with. Yeah, nice. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, everyone is injected with nanobots to record their data, which we come to later. Donovan's using their data for a specific purpose. Yeah, because I was wondering, what excuse does Donovan... Because obviously they don't tell them that's what they're being injected no. What Do they think they're all getting the COVID-19 boosters or what? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think he just says that they're used to monitor them. So I think he just tell them they're being monitored by hmm. these nanobots because it's in the dialogue. But yeah... He, he obviously doesn't tell them he's recording their I, data for other nefarious purposes. I have a I have a contender for worse line here. Oh, go, 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 go. Uh, I think it's a Donovan line. Okay. No weapons are allowed in a DOA fight, except 
the human weapon. That is pretty bad. And I was like, that's awful. I think the worst line I've got later on, and it comes from Bass, that is a contender for damn sure. Um, so just a slight thing here, because it's, it's hearkening back to an episode that we did right near the beginning of this. Weatherby was going to be played by an actor called Milo Ventimiglia, Ventimiglia. who you mentioned on our Stay Alive episode, because... Yeah, he's in Heroes and stuff. Yes. Uh, he was going to be playing Weatherby in this, but he dropped out as he didn't like how the character was being developed, probably because he doesn't really end up being anything more than nerdy trash and background. And he's a perv. Yeah, perv. But he, he, there's several scenes of him perving on her He lane. said that. He dropped this out of this to do Stay Alive instead... Bad choice. Yeah. I'd rather have spent the time on an exotic location with attractive women in bikinis. Yeah, yeah. Even if it was, oh, I'm going to have to be a perv in this. So, do, do, Which, just enjoy yourself. Another piece of trivia. Holly Valance said in an interview that they wrecked 40 pairs of bikinis during yes, this I, film. Yes, I wrote that down because that's an important piece of trivia. Just just imagine. Mm, just imagine losing the bikini. <laughs> <laughs> we're this not pervs. Is, this, is pervs. Definitely, this is definitely a film made for... We're not pervs. Other than the, to the extent in which all men are pervs. Yeah, well, we're just referencing we're stupid We're no pervier than other men. Right, so, this will only take five seconds. We'll, we'll go through the first round of fights. So, in the first round, we see Elliot, who's just some Asian guy, fighting Hayabusa. Did you think it was weird they went straight into a fight montage? See, if no, I they did a training montage, mm. and then they jumped from that montage into a fight yeah. sequence montage see, for all the battles. If, if I was, if I you never was... see a whole fight start to finish. I don't think. No, I don't. Oh no, I you do because you you get Christian. it from Kasumi and Leon. You do, yeah, and Chris. Oh, Tina and Zach. Tina and Zach. And you see, Christy and uh, oh, Bass and Tina. Yes, and but Christ. that is only about a minute and a half long yeah. in and of itself. And Chris, the one in the rain, Christian. Oh yes, Christy and Helena. Helena. Yeah, so there are four oh, full fights. Oh boy, will we get yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of fights in this film, most of which but, are either not shown or yeah. they're shown in like but clips. If, if you were montage. making this film though and structuring it, you know, pacing it, yeah. wouldn't you start with a full fight and then go into montage? You'd think so. Like you'd be like, right, so the first, sh- like this is the so first establish what the tournament, is. yeah, and what the rules are. And and then you're like, yeah. right, and the others all did this. Um, but no, so it jumps straight into montage. We have Hitomi, the man in yellow. Uh, read the blog and you'll get you'll get the rest from that. But the man in yellow, Hitomi, is fighting Helena. And it's like a really cool acrobatic fight between the two mm. of them. That guy in yellow is definitely fucking Jan Lee, by the way, because he has Jan Lee's moves from the game. Right. But anyway, he's known as Hitomi in the film. We then also have Jan Lee versus Christy. Mm. And we have Elliot versus Hayabusa. Now, the thing is, is this is meant to be the first leg of the tournament. We only really see these three fights. Who's Bayman fight? Bayman... Oh, no, he does. Bayman fights Brad Wong. Because I have... I yes, have, no, I am, I'm wrong. Right, there I, are the four of I them. I have a note about the Bayman fight. No, go ahead. Um, just a missed opportunity. Yeah. It's purely me being a, a bloodthirsty <laughs> maniac. But at the end of Bayman's fight, he's holding Brad Wong above his head like yes. that. Did you not... And then it cuts. And I was literally looking at it going, oh, he's going to do the Bane backbreaker to right. Batman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did he not break that... St- he should have broke that dude's back. Uh, shouldn't he? I think that's probably because they were keeping it PG-13. We can discuss some Oops. of the, the... The editing choices in this film are a little bit strange. Yeah, I've I've got later on, I've put that some... For the most part, the film's well made. Yeah. But there are bits where the... The editing structure makes no sense. No, you're right, yeah. So that's the first series. That's all we really see of it. Yeah. No, we do see a bit more, because as you say, you've got the Tina versus ba- uh, Bass fight. Uh, oh, I can see me versus Leon, so I'm, I'm completely wrong. Uh, no, no, they're not in this first montage. They come after. 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. You, no, you're right. Okay. So the first montage, you have Yellow Man losing to Helena. He's not actually given a name in the film. Uh, we just assume it's a Tommy because that's the only one who gets wiped out in the first round. Mm. That's never seen. Jan Lee loses to Christie. Brad Wong loses to Bayman, and Elliot loses to Hayabusa. Lee Fang loses to Jen Fu, and for some reason, in the fight between Lee Fang and Jen Fu. Li Fang normally wears Chong Sam dresses, like the Chinese dresses with the slits up the side. In the fight with Jen Fu, she's wearing a kimono, which makes, which is the traditional wear of a Dead or Alive 4 character called Kokoro. Hmm. And it's like, why is she dressed like Kokoro in the fight? And actually, weirdly enough, Li Fang's loss in this pissed off the fans, which I, I don't really understand. They think that Jen Fu killed her. Because he throws her off a balcony, she goes, "Oh, <laughs> right." So the, yeah, I was watching, reading through a fan, like a, a, a fan forum, and they're like, oh, "I hate this film. I hate the fact they murdered like Genfu literally murders Li Fang. He doesn't. Li Fang is seen in later scenes in the background wearing an orange Cheong Sam. So I can verify she's not dead. But at the same time, yeah, it is a bit weak that she loses quite quickly to him." But that's kind of the way with the, the sub-characters, the yeah. ones that they're not focusing on. They die really quite quickly. Kasumi recalls Hayati saving her life. So I've written a little film reference here. Okay. Because it just this feels really crowbarred in. Yes. Later on, towards the end, you realise why this scene's in there. Yes, but, I, but I at this point, there doesn't seem to be any reason for it, I don't, I don't know if you'll get this reference, but I don't know why it popped in my head when I watched it, but I just wrote, so this one time at band camp, I was kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> it is very that though isn't it it's uh, like just for some reason she's standing, sitting on the steps and it's just and this, this one time at band camp yeah and it just it just starts he saves her with the power of acupuncture yeah so he just uses little needles in the back of people's necks so they don't move anymore apart and from one guy who that's over the side of yeah. the bridge remember that buddies because that, that's coming back I, I must admit when I watched it I thought oh that's a needless piece of information that we didn't need to know yeah and actually it comes it back later comes back. I think that's the only reason they kept the scene yeah, because like, there's nothing of importance in that scene, really. We already know she's going to the tournament because her brother allegedly died at the tournament. Yeah. And the next scene is her going to Donovan to say, I heard my brother fought here last time and he died here. I want to know what happened. This, this is purely in to set up the acupuncture needles. Yeah, yeah. It's literally, if they didn't have the acupuncture needle bit in this that scene, they probably would have cut it. Yeah. I, I would have done because it's, it's pointless having it in there, really. She goes to Donovan and says, you know, I want to know what happened to my brother. And she's told that he died during a fight with Leon. But she says later on that she already knew that Donovan was lying when he said that, because mm. she doesn't believe Leon is good enough a fighter to have killed Hayate. Okay. So, speaking of Leon here, quickly. So, another piece of trivia. Apparently, fans are quite happy with Silvio Silmax's portrayal That's what's Leon. in the IMDb thing, but he doesn't look an, or act anything like Leon from the game. So, I don't know what Leon looks like in the game. So, Le- I mean, I... so he's big and muscular. He's got that right. He's got the silverback hair, like Leon does. So, though often Leon wears a turban, he doesn't always. And he's like the military get dress garb is all correct. So, on that front, it's all correct. However, the character of Leon is a much older man who basically loves his wife called Roland. I don't know why his wife has a man's name. That's just how it is in the games. Maybe she identifies as a woman. Maybe. Uh, But either way, Roland, his wife, is someone that he loves and passed away. And she always used to love the fact that he was the strongest man alive. Mm. And that's just their thing. You know, know, I know you're the strongest man. You'll always protect me. She died of some disease or something, I think. So after she passes away, he goes and fights in Dead or Alive 2 Mm. to prove that he's the strongest man. 
to honour her memory. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's dead or alive, so the story writing is a bit janky yeah. at best. So the whole point is he's, he's really sullen, mm. and he's just like, oh, you know, he's, he's always, like, he's really quiet, keeps himself to himself, quite insular. Mm. But in this, during the fight with Leon, Leon shifts his arms down, and he literally, you get the shotgun yeah, reload. I've, got, I've literally written here, ha, 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 he cocks his biceps like shotguns. Yes. Uh, but I was going to say... You know, this film, we've talked a lot about the sexy ladies in this film. Yeah. There's eye candy for the ladies too. Yeah. Because there is fucking, there's a random close-up of this dude's bulging packs. Like this, <laughs> this it's whenever Roberts is talking to Kasumi. Yes. And he's sort of saying that and she's going to fight Leon next. And he's isn't he, on the balcony. Uh, well, there's a bit where he's he's doing the barbell. Yes. And you literally just get a close-up of just his pecs <laughs> bouncing. And don't get wrong, the dude's in incredible shape. All like of the dudes in this actually are in incredible shape. Apart oh, yeah, from maybe yeah. Weatherby. This, but actually, I mean, he might be. You just can't see it because they overdressed him. Yeah, but, it's, it's, it's Hollywood nerdy. Yeah. Which means it's actually a guy in incredible shape. They just stuck glasses yeah, on him a and really a baggy nice t-shirt. Look, yeah, a really good-looking guy. <laughs> muscular, like, probably chiselled oh, physique. Like, but you, they've given him an oversized shirt, you've never glasses, seen the, and slicked yeah. his hair back so it looks like he well, hasn't it, washed it. It's like you've never seen the Scooby do film have you no so fucking Velma yeah. is played by Linda Cardellini right. who is fucking gorgeous <laughs> and you're like you've literally just put Linda Cardellini in glasses that doesn't make her an ugly nerd yeah she's an ugly like, nerd she's now. still yeah. gorgeous <laughs> um, but yeah so before we get to the Leon fight though, yes um, there's uh, actually just... a shot I really like at this bit okay which is Kasumi's looking in the mirror no, we're not there yet. Okay, we're, we're not, not there, there yet. yet. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, but you're, you're definitely right on the on the shot. I know what you mean. Kasumi knows Donovan lied about her brother's death. Max then reveals to Christy that he survived the first round, though no one ends up dying in the first round because they're all back in the beach scene later. Oh, he faked but an injury. He didn't faked he? an injury so that Leon wouldn't. I think it was it. No, he fought Zach, and to survive the round with Zach, he basically feigned an injury so that Zach Auto won. Um, they plan to steal the prize money uh, and then they get busy. They're getting busy. comes up a bit later during the, the Kasumi and Leon fight. Zach then comes and chats up Tina in the hot tub. Tina yeah, obviously doesn't I've, want I've it. put here, Zach is a sex pest. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, proper bad. Well, you cut back to him later and even though she clearly wants him to go away, he's, he's, he's leaning right shoulders. over her, yeah, like really, really, quite terrifying really if you yeah. take it out of the context of a cheesy film. So anyway, so yeah, now we get to the point where Kasumi is alone in her bedroom yeah. and we know that there's the precursor, we know Leon and her are matched but the fight hasn't started. She's in yeah, her room there's, alone. there's no official arenas, is no, there? No, it's all done by what? You just once you get the alert, you saying, can fight whenever. You wherever. just go find because he just turns up in a room, doesn't he? And yeah, yeah. Fighting. But before he turns up, she's like she's she's chilling out after I think she's like had a hot tub session of her own or something mm. just to relax or a hot spring. It's done like a hot spring. Uh, she's got herself dressed and ready. She's looking in the mirror, but you don't realise she's looking in the mirror, do you? you no, you, you think it's just a front on. No, shot and of I have her. to say, like this is where some of the cinematography in this film is absolutely fucking gorgeous. This was a great shot, amazing where shot. Half of the screen shatters. Yeah, and you see Ayani on the other half. Yeah, yeah, and you see because be like, oh, yeah, and then the rest of the glass shatters and the sword comes up. Yeah, and uh, this is something I will I will say about this film. It is a fucking gorgeous film. Like cinematography, in, in moments, in, yeah, in the moments. CGI is awful. The CGI is awful, and that ruins it. Mm. But actually, like the fight in the rain, uh, this shot, oh, the fight in the rain's great. Yeah, the bamboo forest. Like some of the visuals in this really pop. They're 
absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And it, it's it's really clear to see that there was a strong aesthetic yeah. approach to this film. I mean, it is worth noting that Corey Ewan has literally... Like, he is a... He was, at this time... He, he was, was considered. Yeah. He was considered one of, if not the best, martial arts director in the world. Yeah, um, like he hasn't done that many English language films. No, but if you look him up on Wikipedia or IMDb, a, he a has done. Of them. He's done billions of mm. uh, Chinese movies. Ayani is trying to sword kill. Kasumi in her bedroom and is interrupted by Leon turning up. Yeah, Leon turns up. So he's military outfit now, isn't he? Yes, Ayani runs away. Personally, I'd have kept him topless, but whatever. (laughs) Well, you know, whatever you like. Uh, But yeah, so Leon and her start having a fight. That's when he reloads his arms because she tries to jump (laughs) kick him in the face. Literally reloads his arms. And they actually use that again later on for on another character. I don't know if you noticed I that. noticed. Tina uh, does it with her leg drop. Yeah, someone yeah. does a leg and it goes... Ch-ch-ch. On Zach, so when she dunks him in the head. Their fight spills into Christy and Max's room after they've had sex. And then we get to the point where Zach is doing the borderline rapey thing. Come on. Loosen up. You were way too beautiful to be this tense. Maybe a little quality time with Zach will loosen you up. Dude, just, just don't uh, do that. Is this where she says, okay, close your eyes? Yeah, close your eyes. She removes his trunks because she's going to give him a surprise. And then she walks out of the tub with his shorts and yeah. fucks off. Leon then loses the fight after being kicked out of the, the window and, gets, and, and flies down into the hot tub. Where Zach's still got his eyes yeah. closed. So Zach sees him come and he's like, oh shit, and jumps out. And I'm, I don't know how... And, I probably shouldn't admit this to, to, to anyone, but I freeze-framed this bit. I was like, can you see Dong? Is it Dong? Is no, it Dong? there's no Dong. <laughs> I don't know how they did it, because it's a really clear shot. Digital removing? I think they must have done, or they 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 taped it to something. Because, Tuck. yeah, they, there's either a tuck or there's a digital scrubbing going on. Because I'm like, <laughs> this, this guy should be, there should be, you know... The churches are ringing, you know, yeah. <laughs> dong, dong, <laughs> but it's, it wasn't there. Um, and that suspect, I know, but fuck it. I'm straight and I I, I just wanted to see if there was dong. It, it makes it's no sometimes sense. Sometimes we're just curious. Really. I'm not curious. I was just like, how did they get around no, this as a PG-13? I've just been curious to see if there was a dong show. Oh, sometimes you just have to see a dong. So, Bass is then matched with Tina. And breaks into her room to start a fight with her. But Christy, because her room is ruined, is in the bed with Tina. So I've got to say, this scene I actually found really funny. No, I found this really awkward. I hated this scene. Because I've actually written here two... I've written two comments. One, Kevin Nash is surprisingly good at comedy. No. And I've also well, written... it's not him that ruins this scene, it's bad uh, script. I've also written that I'm disappointed because Christy says, why can't you sleep naked like me? But then when she gets kicked out of the bed at the end, she disappointingly is not naked. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to see naked Holly Valance. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand your disappointment, <laughs> though I don't think they could have kept it as a PG-13 no, if no, you'd, uh, no. if but you'd I, seen I the whale. It's, it's <laughs> awkward in the sense... No, it's not awkward. It's really it's, badly written. Yeah, it's, it's not really awkward. awkward. It's not awkward because he's not... Not doing a if this was an Uve Bowl film, yeah. Bass would have been like, Oh, you're a lesbian. Whereas in this he's kind of just surprised, but he's supportive. No, no, he's no. Like, hey baby, you can see. That's not with- the problem. It, for yeah. me it was just it was really tacky. Oh, it was tacky as shit. It yeah. was it was like and it, it By like a good bit of tack. Okay. <laughs> and a good bit of cheese. In but, a film like this. Okay, so here's where I'm gonna put my worst line submission in. 
from Bass. It seems to be like my baby girl spawned herself a special friend. <laughs> That's a terrible fucking line. Yeah, yeah. Like, even in the context of the scene. Um, I, I did think Holly Valance and Jamie Presley, though, had really good comedic chemistry together. Oh, no, no, yeah, that was fine. She lays yeah. her head on her shoulder and, then she and she's like, them off. get off. Yeah. The, the thing is, I, none of the problem I have with this scene is down to the performances. Mm. The problem I have with this scene, I think you find it really awkward. I don't find it particularly funny, and mm. it's all down to the scripting. Yeah. Like, that, it was very obvious, like, when she's like, no, Daddy, it's not like that. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. It was just like, oh, come on, I've seen this. This is terrible. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, since me, my baby girl's found herself a special friend. <laughs> no, that's a terrible line. Anyway, so Weatherby tells Donovan that Max is a fraud. So Donovan sends Bayman in, not as part of an official fight, just sending Bayman in to basically kill him or get rid of him in some way. Oh, this is the Goro is, nut shot, isn't yeah, it? Yes, so this is where Donovan, uh, this is where Max is like, oh, no, no, dude, I don't understand what's going on. And then he, he accidentally kicks both of his shoes off. Mm. One hits Bayman in the nuts and he has a cry. And then the other one hits him in the face and knocks over a, a massive ornament. Vars thing, isn't it? Yeah, which then falls on Bayman and knocks him out. Yeah, but this ornament looks like it's made of fucking paper mache. Yeah, it's, you're, like it's, Bay, you're like Bayman. Well, it's obviously a the prop size thing, of Brock Lesnar. No, like fucking lift. It doesn't even shit. hit his head. You can yeah. see it not touch him. So him getting knocked out doesn't work. But yeah, uh, I've just put here. He gets knocked out by shoe. Uh, <laughs> Bass and Tina fight. And I like that. I must admit, it's an obvious joke, and you won't like it because you didn't like the previous tacky scene. But there is a callback to the bedroom scene because uh, we get an appearance of the acupuncture needle. Here's the again. thing: no, no, no. Actually, I didn't mind this scene. All right, it's no, it's nowhere near as cringy. So you get the acupuncture needles again. Kasumi is using them to help Tina relax. Yes, to help and, ease her muscles. And Bass walks in. He's like, "Tina, it's time," or whatever. And then he sees and me. He goes, goes, oh my god! He goes, "Does Christy know about you too?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't mind that. That was fine. It, the, the, the way that was set up was fine. I was I was disappointed that Kevin Nash never does his wrestling finisher. Yeah, which is a uh, his finisher was a jackknife power bomb. She also doesn't do any wrestling with him. That she's no, she's, I know, but at she's least more she's of a, not. She's least... more of a kickboxer in this film, but she's yeah. meant to be a wrestler. Yeah. Well, to be fair though, at least like in reality, Jamie Presley isn't Presley isn't a wrestler. Yeah. Kevin Nash is a wrestler, like, and we don't see him it, do anything. It does seem odd if you're going to go right. It, it'd be like I'm um, going to do a film where I have a wrestler. I'm going to hire The Rock but I'm not going to have him do any rock wrestling stuff. Yeah. It's like, surely the reason you're hiring him is because you know... He can wrestle. And you, yeah, but also that you can attach it to his brand yeah. in some way. I mean, I, I can't remember. I will have to look back. But I seem to think in Doom, The Rock does do his wrestling finisher to he someone. Pro- I'm sure he doesn't do the people's elbow. That's no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm sure he does the rock bottom to Carl Urban at one point now. What, in the final fight? Mm. Maybe. We'll have to look into it when we get into that film. So then there's a beach bikini party. Uh, before that. No. So we then get. Oh no no no! You're this is you're right. This is part of the bikini scene. Yeah. Sorry, I was disappointed in this because it's a stereotype. You get the whole Japanese men are sexually awkward stereotype when she meets Hayabusa. Oh and yeah yeah. He's all like oh oh. I the, don't yeah, the whole shame oh. thing, and she's like oh, it's so cute and that you're. To be fair, I've never been to Japan. Maybe that's what it's actually like. But it just seems like a hackneyed stereotype that oh no, Japanese man is sexually awkward. He can't handle anything oh this is the same culture that invented tentacle porn like yeah yeah they can't be that embarrassed oh by the way something i forgot to mention in the uh so in the tina versus bass fight mm. on the on the boats there's actually a deleted fight 
Okay. In that sequence that happened before Bass arrives. Oh, so yes, it's... Um, it's Gen Fu versus Kasumi. Kasumi. However, the problem is, is that... That's a round one fight, isn't it? No, so, yeah, so the Tina versus Bass fight that comes afterwards is a round one fight, but the Gen Fu versus Kasumi fight, she's already won her fight in round one. So it's a round so two. So it's a round two fight. So it's like it doesn't make sense for the round two fight to come first. Yeah. So I think they just cut it. So Gen Fu just gets out of the competition in the second round without it ever being seen. It, nobody misses it, no. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Zach commentates on the volleyball match, and I think this is a reference to the fact that... This is a reference to Dead or Alive, Alive Extreme. Extreme. Yeah, and, and the fact that it's on Zach Island, mm. which is why he's commentating. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty good scene, it is a gentlemen. Good, <laughs> I suppose, gentlemen, this uh, is democracy uh, manifest. And while, <laughs> while they're fighting, Hayabusa goes to try and infiltrate Donovan's compound. Yes. And uh, did you notice a little something something in this scene? No. A little piece of movie trivia? No. Uh, when he kicks one of the... A bunch of enemies turn yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he has he, to fight his way in. He, he kicks one over a balcony and Oh, it there was the, the Wilhelm, Wilhelm scream. scream. Uh, yeah, no, I did hear that. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> ah! Ah! Hayabusa then breaks into Donovan's quarters and he gets trapped by metal doors because Donovan <laughs> he's sees so him. He's so useless, isn't he? He's, actually, he's good at the fights, but like as far as common sense goes, he's, a, he's a pretty much a numpty. A shuriken from Ayani punctures the volleyball during, to end the volleyball fu- uh, tournament. Yeah. So Kasumi runs off and then uh, Ayani attacks her in the bamboo Ooh, forest. Hang on, isn't this something that happens just before they play volleyball? We should probably mention Max is flirting with Helena because Helena, because he's been told that I don't think we've actually said what Max is doing there. So Max, Max is, is trying there, to yeah. rob um, Donovan. Donovan uh, Doatech is the name of the yeah, company, yeah. isn't it? Because there's ten million on offer, but he really reckons there's over a hundred million available in the, in, vault. in the vault. Yeah, and for, I don't know where he's got this clue from, but he, the clue he's got he is ne- Helena. He always gets hints, doesn't he, from sources? But he never, yeah. you never find out what they are. It's just, it's just a reason for him to know yeah. something he shouldn't the, know. The clue he's got is Helena is the key. Yes. So he's using. He's noticed she's got a tattoo. Yeah. On her, is it on her lower stomach? No, no, it's uh, the small of her back. Smaller a tramp stamp. Yes, tramp stamp. Um, and he's like, I think he's using, he's giving, putting sunscreen on her as an excuse yeah. to look at it. And he takes it. a photo of it so he can. And Christy walks up and she says something to make him go away, doesn't she? By no, she throws the ball and hits him on the head with it. That's it. Yeah, and then she invites Helena to play volleyball so that there's uh, th- he can't keep flirting with Helena. That's um, but yeah, so they have the volleyball match. And there's the fight in the bamboo forest, which uh, is visually yeah. striking. I've put this is, see, I've put this is a poor imitation of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It absolutely, is that it's visually stunning is all I've put. Yeah. Not, but yeah, I, I will Some agree bad that it's, CGI in this scene, though, isn't there? There is. Yeah, anytime there's CGI, it's bad. So Max reveals Helena's tattoo is just her name. So he, he translated it and said, "Oh, it's her name." The tattoo she has is on her lower back, right? Well, I've just deciphered it, and it means Helena. Get it? Helena is the key. Helena must be the code. Max, it's brilliant. Except she had it done last year in Paris. She's been showing it off to us. There must be another tattoo. How that's referring up your to. own ass do you have to be to get your own name tattooed? Yeah, in a foreign language. I'll have Helena in Chinese on my bum. Who are you? I'm Helena. <laughs> I, I knew a dude. I knew a guy from school yeah. who um, apparently got his own name tattooed on his own dick. 
just, no. j- just in case. I want proof. Know, <laughs> I, guess, I guess it means. That, I guess it means that uh, you, you say know, you knew him from school. Forget. You mean he got it done when he was in school, or when, after? We were in, when we were in sixth form? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't believe it because you'd have to be eighteen. Sixth form is sixteen to eighteen. So it'd be right at the end of school. He, he, yeah, it? it was right at the end. He right. was like, he was one of the oldest in. He actually only came to our school for a few months. He transferred in, but I remember being like, "Yeah, but that'd be impressive if your name was like Christopher or something." Christopher. It's got a lot of names in it, letters, letters. in it. But right, yeah. But his then his name was something like Ben or something, <laughs> and you're like, I won't be bragging about that, mate. <laughs> I can fit three letters <laughs> on my penis. Um, it's like a call back to Nightmare on Elm Street when uh, Rod says, "I woke up this morning with a hard on. It had your name written all over it." And Tina goes, "There's four letters in my name, Rod. How could there be room on your <laughs> joint for four letters?" <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street reference. There you go. So Kasumi doesn't win the fight. The girls turn up, and it. it makes Ayani run away again. She doesn't actually stick stick the landing on any of her atta- attempts at all. I'll be honest. She fucks off all the I'll time. I'll be honest. By the time you get to the end of the film, Ayane has made literally zero impact on the plot of the film. Yeah. There is literally no need for her to actually be in the movie. No, yeah, you could cut her out and it would be no different. I mean, you miss a couple of nice visual things that... But that's it. They go back to the beach. Max and Christy are still trying to figure out what's going on. And Weatherby has come out of the grotto <laughs> and he's in a, a Hawaiian shirt and his hair all slicked to the it's side. So he has his fantasy. Yeah, because he wants to, you know, try and chat up Helena this and see. Hopefully there'll be a bad. romance. This is the worst CGI in the film. Yeah, so they he, he in his mind, he walks up to Helena, whips off his glasses, gives her his hand and, like, th- she spins into him and it's got that... What's that music called? Like the... Na, na, I know na, the music na, and I can't na, describe na, it. Na, I know which it's like... They use it on all the stereotypes typical comedy romance, romance scenes yeah. and but it's it's the cherry blossoms yeah the, uh, oh. and you can still see the the edging on them mm. like the, it's like come on at least cut them out properly on ms paint yeah. before you put them in your movie <laughs> and he's like praying to the sky thank you we're so in love and then it cuts back to reality and he's still just some geek looking at a woman on a beach mm. so he walks up to her and in order to try and initiate a conversation he grabs her hand and goes uh, my name is Weatherby, and kisses her hand, which freaks her out. And yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it's like a really creepy, you know, milady. And he's like, <laughs> "Would you like another drink? I'll get you another drink. Um, I'll get you another drink." Thanks, yeah. Wellington. He just like, yeah. snatches a glass, snatches a glass away. I'll get you a drink. And then when he turns around, she's gone, and he's like, "Oh!" And then she calls him over, so somehow he has won her over just mm. by. And they have a chat. He's just so gosh darn cute. Now, what's weird about this? is that she doesn't know him. She's like, who are you? He's like, I'm Weatherby. Who? I'm Weatherby. I do the controls and my name is Weatherby. And I'm like, okay. So she never, she's never met him before. She doesn't know who he is. However, her father is meant to have been the one who created Doatech mm. and was killed by Donovan. But Weatherby knows all about her father and worked with her father. But she's lived on the island with yeah. them so so how did she how did she live there for like what the 20 years or whatever it is that she's lived there and never met Weatherby it's also important to point out at this point because something cheesy happens later on in the film and <laughs> I know it makes me a fool but I liked it because I like cheese so it's important to note here that a recurring gag throughout the film is no one gets Weatherby's name right everyone calls him Wallaby yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. various so <laughs> Hel- Helena keeps calling him Wallaby yeah, we'll get there. Okay. 
Fair enough. So, <laughs> so it looks like there might be a potential romance starting, but there's there, there is problems afoot with the naming, as you say. Zach and Tina are then matched for a fight. So they have their fight the next day. We already mentioned the yeah. fact that he, she kicks him and yep. he's like, so you're going to ruin his body? I've put here, where the fuck did this whole ass Japanese temple come from? Uh, I think it's just the atrium of the main Japanese temple they've been practicing on. To be honest, I think I, I think I recognise it only because it's it, it's been seen prior, but only in like super super brief mm. montage shots. Yeah. Because I've been staring at them all day for this blog, I'm like, no, I know what that is. But yeah. I don't. If the, I, th- I think you're right, if you just watch the movie without being that anal about it. You probably wouldn't yeah. know where it's like. Where is this from? But I, I'm pretty certain they've used it previously in the film. It just is hard to recognise yeah. so if you this, don't freeze frame the bloody thing. This fight allows me to actually demonstrate the number one problem with this film. As I said before, I like grindhouse movies, exploitation films. I like cheese. Yeah, the film is always at its best when it embraces the cheese. Yes, it's when it tries to. I be mean, a serious you could film. never take it seriously. Yeah, and this is the thing. Unfortunately, the film still tries to be serious at certain points. This fight, they definitely try and make it a more serious. Well, no, this is what I was going to say. It should have embraced the cheese. And here's a perfect example. There's a bit in this where she whacks Zack in the face Mm. and it literally plays the bird tweeting noise from Looney Tunes Cottage. That's great. That made me laugh. I like it. The whole film should be that goof. If you're going to have people cocking their biceps like shotguns... Yeah, yeah. And and she cocks her leg in this fight when she... Drop kicks him in the head. And bird tweeting noises when people get you hit You can't in the then face. go, well, here's the super serious part. Um, <laughs> and, and we haven't pointed out that unlike Mortal Kombat, where you just had Shang Tsung doing his flawless victory. Yeah, he's this, getting it wrong. This literally has the voice from the games yes. going like, Kasumi wins. Yeah. Get ready, fight! And it, it even comes like in yeah, yeah. some fights they actually get health bars and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the only reason I know which one is Elliot and which one's Jan Lee because it's mm. all in the health bar naming. That's it. They're not actually verbally named on screen yeah. or anything. And that's also the only reason we know Hitomi is meant to be one of the combatants because the name is on the fighter roster, but actually it never comes up on the health bars or anything. There's no health bars for him. Zach makes the sound of a Concord during one of his kicks. I don't know if you heard that bit. Ah! Right. Yeah, so if you like the sound effects, yeah, one bit where he's kicking is like... Yes, <laughs> yes. He's doing these kicks. After he loses, Zack apologises for his behaviour, because having lost the fight, now he can finally respect her. Like, he, like, it's like, what a dick. You can't respect someone unless they beat the shit out of you. Hey, maybe that's his thing. Well, he's yeah, but it doesn't guys, make it acceptable, does he's it? He's one of them guys who likes to pay dominatrix just to, like, step on his nuts and stuff. Yeah, but and then he says, you know, from now on I'm going to bet on you to win, to Tina. She's she like, says, thank, thank you. you. Christy is then matched to fight Helena. So this fight, man. Yeah, so there's a slow-motion fight in the rain. Apparently with both to, of them in bikinis. Apparently two, two weeks two, to four weeks yeah. to film. And you know what? This is a... F- it's, a it's a pretty cool fight. Uh, yeah. Not filmed great, but it's also very sexy. And actually, I was trying to think about it. I can't think of another film that's done this. Not in this way, at least. Like two women fighting in the rain? Um, well, or even just two people yeah. fighting... 
I have to admit as well, actually, one of the positives with this film, even though it's obviously, you know, you could classify it as exploitation of, you know, the fact that women are wearing very little, like, bikinis in a fight wire. But But at the same time, I have to say, most films, when they have two women fighting, it normally devolves very quickly into just like a... Yes, pulling. Yeah, hair pulling, cat fight, bitchy. Oh, these are badass moves. These are actually, yeah, they're actually beating the shite out of one another, which is quite cool. I said this on my previous podcast as well. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying... I, I don't want every film to just be eye candy and sex and stuff like that. But I, Sometimes I, I just want eye candy and sex. This is the sex, thing. Yeah. I also don't... I don't think it's inherently exploitative to have sex or sex appeal in a film. Sure. I do understand why some people get upset, because it is a thing that happens mostly for men. That's the whole male gaze of it all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've proven with films like Fifty Shades of Grey yeah, and how well they do. Oh, Women on. like it too. Women do it all the time with shit like Fifty Shades of Grey. Let's, yeah. like, they they pretend as, oh, it's this male gaze. Women, the female gaze is fucking obvious. It happens yeah. all the time, but it's just not referenced as much, but which is not fair enough. Yeah, but there's but nothing the, wrong with either of it. No, no, exactly. Like, I wasn't, uh, yeah, so yeah, I was just going to say. People, big surprise, human beings find other human beings attractive. Yes, they do. That's my nipple. Yes. I've never met Ariola before, but <laughs> I think he's Spanish. <laughs> uh, I, you know, technically speaking, there was no consent in that. I could have you done for sexually molesting me. Do me if you want. Right. So, uh, so anyway, in this fight... Uh, <laughs> Let's see if that makes it in. It's a pretty good fight, and Holly Valance ultimately wins. Yes. She, uh, we get a bit where she specifically... Does she put Helena in a headlock? Or yeah. No, she goes she, behind her. Yeah, she's she using a piece of fabric, isn't she? Like, uh, mm. yeah. My God, I don't know why. <laughs> Just, have you ever seen a bit in a film that's sexy but shouldn't be sexy, but somehow it is? Right. When Holly Valance is, is tying... Yeah. No, when she's tying the wraps around her hands, right. and she's like... Putting them in teeth it, and yeah. stuff. It's weird, but it's, yeah. it's kind of hot. There's something weird about it. It's for definite. Okay, so we've got that. Oh, and during the fight, the whole point of the fight, well, for Christy at least, as well as obviously having to win the fight, is that she finds on the upper part of Helena's back another tattoo, mm. which has a Buddha's head and what looks like loads of Chinese letters. Uh, so she she she's remembering it from memory, so that's why it's going slow mo. It's mm. actually her recollection of the fight, yeah. and so she draws it down, yeah, so and then she shows Max it in a mm. mirror, and it reverses to yes. being a code number with a little symbol. One last thing about the rain fight, though, as good as the scene is, why is it? It's the only fight in the film in the rain. The rest of the film has got perfect sunny weather. Yep, like. Wh- it literally, like, there's no, it doesn't show you it start to rain or stop raining. It doesn't show you a passage of time. Yeah, we just cut from Tina's fight straight to this downpour of rain. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I don't think, I don't recall there being anything in between. So now we're at the semi-finalists, mm. and there's only four left. There's Kasumi, Hayabusa, Tina, and Christy. But Hayabusa has been captured in Donovan's lab between the two doors that, like, because he's a Muppet. The he girls was almost a Hayabusa sandwich. <gasps> Does my dad have to tell everyone that joke? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the girl trio go and try and find Hayabusa, because he's still missing. Mm-hmm. And Christy finds a statue head in the wrong direction in Donovan's lab. When she turns it to the correct direction, it opens a secret passage. Weatherby tries to console Helena, and he tells her that Donovan likely killed her father 
And then the girls go down the secret passage to find Donovan's control room. There's no one in there at the moment, but they find Hayabusa knocked out inside of another section of the secret passageway. When they go in there to see if he's alright, the door closes on them and gas comes out, and that's the last we see of them for the time being. Donovan then tells the guards to go and kill Helena and Weatherby, because Weatherby has dared to reveal uh, the truth that Donovan is a villain. So Helena kicks all of their asses. None of their sword strikes seem to have any impact for me. I didn't like, so, so the fight on the steps. Yes, so I, I've put here, somehow there is no blood in a fight filled with samurai swords. Yeah, and like none of the actual strikes feel like they actually make a real impact. It, it, very, it very much feels like they're not hitting. Yeah, like, although they're clearly meant to be, because like, people yeah, yeah. are falling down. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've got another quick comment here. That's probably to keep the age rating uh, down. Oh, it de- definitely is. Yeah, yeah. One of my problems with the pacing of this... To be fair, I'm not quite sure how you'd get around it, but it's one of the worst parts of the script for me is Weatherby, who up to this point has very much been on Eric Roberts' side, though. Yes. Like, literally, he was, like, complimenting Eric Roberts when he decides to put people against Leon and stuff like that. And wanted to kill Max because he was flirting with Helena and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, he's very much a villain with him. He's just, yeah. like, a nerdy villain. All of a sudden... Because he loves Helena, he gives us the beans. Yeah. yeah. But he doesn't love Helena. He wants to bone Helena. He hasn't spent enough is time with the <laughs> He hasn't spent enough time... Don't get me wrong, maybe it's just meant to be one of them things, because like, men are fucking idiots, and a lot of men will do anything for a pretty girl, yeah. so maybe that is all that's meant to be, but it just felt so... I've literally put, Weatherby conveniently spills the beans. It also feels a bit weird that like he's only really known her a day. Bear in mind that when he first met her was a day ago. At the beach. Despite the, we assume that they've known each other for ages, but it's, actually they haven't. So the first time they met was a day ago. Within a day, he's now like, yes, I knew, know the whole plan and the guy that we're working for and yeah. that I've been happily working for for 20 years since your father's death. Yeah. I knew he killed him. Yeah, and she just okay go, you with bastard. It. Yeah, and it's like, just, I'm it's like, I don't really see this relationship lasting That's very long. the hypnotic power of a bikini-clad girl in roller skates, I guess. Yeah, but what's, the, what's it back to her? Because she's just looking at this nerdy guy and goes, yeah, I knew your dad died, but I still was cool with it. The raw, the raw power <laughs> of the nerd. Yeah, well, you know, no one can avoid a nerd. It's so gorgeous. Oh, right, I think we're almost at my favourite bit that I want to talk about. Okay, so I've got a couple of potential worst lines first, and then we'll go into what you're going to say. After the fight ends on the steps, Weatherby goes, well, I'm never going to mess with you. And then he goes, never. He goes, well, maybe in a controlled environment. <laughs> I don't think it's bad enough to go... No, it's definitely not. Seems to me like my baby girl's found herself a special friend. But it is a bad line. <laughs> is this where she finally gets his name right? Yes. Right then, she, she goes, Oh, thank you, Weatherbean. It's, like, it's Weatherbean, He actually, automatically but, corrects yeah. her. Which isn't too bad, to be no, fair. No, the, the cheese... It's the part, a payoff, at least. The part of me that likes cheese... Like ...was that. like, oh, <laughs> She's learned him now. The point that I'm at, I don't know if this is where your notes are going to pick up, uh, the four semi-finalists are locked in the pods. Yeah, Eric, I'm at the bit where Eric Roberts reveals his evil plan. Yeah, so he so. welcomes them to the future. So he comes in, and he's in the centre of a circular room 
they're all in their prison cells, essentially, spread around the room. And he's got a big screen showing a map of the world and all these buyers. Yeah, and he's going to transfer the data that he's collected, isn't he? Yeah. Now, obviously, as I said, I've not got that much experience with Dead or Alive games. No. But when I've played fighting games in the past, I do know that a trope of fighting games is that your final enemy will tend to be someone who somehow has the abilities of every character in the game. Yes, and that that yes. Yeah. So Shang Tsung was like that because he could morph into anyone in the game. Right. And, so, and they've done a very similar thing with Donovan here. So what I was thinking was going to happen was that Donovan would have built because because we know he's downloading everyone's fighting skills from the sure. injections. I thought he was going to reveal some sort of android. Or, or mech suit, or or even a mind control. Because we knew he had Hayate in prison. Yes. I was thinking maybe he'd have like mind controlled Hayate. Yeah. To anyway, no, no. The floor opens up. This plinth comes up, and you're like, oh shit, what's this going to be? And it's fucking sunglasses, evil sunglasses, <laughs> evil sunglasses. with a really bad plastic thing just stuck on the It's like a third top. eye, isn't it? It's a camera, yeah. but it looks like a third eye stuck and between the, ch- the two gl- uh, lenses. Let me... So, first of all, I'm sure we can all see the inherent weakness in this plot. Quite easy to knock sunglasses off of somebody's face, yes. right? And I'm surprised so, they don't do it straight away, because yeah. I always struggled to, when I wore glasses to keep them on my face. Oh, mine fall off constantly. Yeah. So, first of all, why did he not make it? If he wanted to give himself all their fighting powers, why not an implantable chip or something contact like that? Contact lenses. Or con- even contact... Anyway, so, even though I know you told us a few weeks ago, but I actually forgot that you'd said this was produced by Paul Anderson. Yes. And I was watching this, and I literally wrote down that this... Oh my god, I can't believe they're doing this. This is as bad as Paul Anderson in the final chapter. And then when I saw Paul Anderson actually produced it, I was like, so you're telling me that Paul W.S. Anderson produced this film... It bombed. ...and then reused the same idea, pretty much. It's not glasses, admittedly. No, but it's almost whole. So, in Resident Evil, the final... Spoiler alert for the final chapter. Ugh. Don't watch Uh, that. In Resident Evil, the final chapter, they bring back... Dr. Isaacs. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. What's his face? He's one of, he, he is a good actor. Um, Ian Glenn. Right. He's a good actor. Yeah. But he, he's debasing himself being in those movies. So he comes back and he's got an implant in his brain now that allows him to... He does literally the scene Eric Roberts does. You see, you know Eric Roberts, he challenges Hayate to fight him, doesn't yeah. he? And then he runs a simulation in his head of how Hayate could beat him. Yeah, so essentially he says if if Hayate wins the fight, then he'll let everyone go. Yeah. Uh, and then the camera, with all the data, basically scans what Hayate's going to do, recognises the moves, and, and shows... It. Yeah, and basically just shows how Donovan's going to lose. Yeah. So that... When Hayate actually starts the fight, he can he can counter. basically block every single move. Yeah. yeah, and this is what Ian Glenn does in the final chapter. Right. He literally looks at Alice, and you get a montage where he predicts like fifty different ways she can kill him. Right. In a Resident Evil film, Rory. 
Yeah. The final villain isn't a bioorganic weapon, isn't a monster of any kind. It's Dr. Isaacs with Terminator vision. Yeah. They actually show you it from his POV, and it's the... Oh, you've, no. you've seen Terminator films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You know, the reddish screen. Yeah, the I, know, I know Terminator. I, I just... I hate it. I hate it, and I hate him, and I hate video game films, and I'm, I'm going to cry. Okay. What, because you found a Paul W.S. Anderson film that you quite enjoy? This isn't his film, though. I'm sorry. No, I know I'll I'll give I'm, you about, that. I'm about to piss off all producers everywhere, but if you're a producer, it ain't your film. Fair enough. Well, we'll let that stand as it is. They obviously do a very important job. No, no, they do, job. yeah, but they're, they're not directing the vision of it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see your point. Weatherby gets Helena. <laughs> and Max unknowingly, who's stalking them, into the control room and starts trying to hack the systems. Mm. You've got to have... He's got, it, got to get four passcodes. Yeah, because you've got to have him hack something. They're just, they're just there to pad out the plot. There's no reason for him yeah, to hack the system. There's no weather in the game, I'm assuming. No, no, no. He's made up for the thing. Donovan's in the game. He was the... Oh, he? Yeah, he's the main villain throughout the whole thing. But oh. uh, I believe he was the main enemy to fight in the first one. But he he had a lot to do with building the villains in the in the sequels, um, certain, specifically in number three, four, and five. Mm. Number two was just some was Tengu, which was just some woodland monster thing with right. a long penis nose. So, oh boy. <laughs> yes. So Donovan beats Hayati several times, knocking him into a death fall. He knocks him through the front face of the uh, Buddha, and he starts to fall down the thing that the girls climbed up at the start. Um, Before he can die, Ayane actually grabs him, pulls him across to save him, and then they kiss because they're lovers. So there's actually a bad piece of editing here. Oh, it's it's, it's a really bad sequence, to be honest. In one angle, they're hugging. Yep. Very clearly hugging. Her face is turned to the side. Then they cut, and they're in the middle of a kiss. Right. So they, yeah. they cut straight from a hug to a kiss. That's terrible. So I have another problem at this bit as well with what Weatherby's doing. Okay. So, so Weatherby just logs a call with the CIA. Oh, can yeah, you do that? yeah. Can you just ring up the CIA and just, be like, just oh... Find, just find their number online, man. I'm sure that every company has to have their phone number online. <laughs> I've just looked up what Donovan looks like in the games. Yep. And it is not... Oh, I've just lost It's not it at now. all like Eric Roberts. No, he's got a black mask on. Yeah. I mean, most of the, almost none of the characters look right. I mean, to be fair, it's... unless you're going to cast all porn stars, it would be difficult to find ladies with bosoms as large as they are in the game. Well, essentially, you'd have to go, right, um, Devin Aoki, you don't mind getting massive implants just for this film, do you? Or C- CGI. CGI is C- always an option. I mean, they, that would make it easier to make them orbital. <laughs> it's just some... Anyway. What is this? <laughs> this is a gross thought. But they're, they're so bouncy and yeah in the games yeah has any of the girls ever just like beaten their opponent to death with one in the first one on the saturn i was playing as tina Mm -hmm. i was playing against my girlfriend for an old channel i used to do called reset Uh, when i i threw her to the ground Mm -hmm. and as tina got up the boob literally flung and it hit like went through her face before it came back down that's how extreme the boob physics were in the first one so that was quite funny it literally gave her a black eye Max finds the vault and breaks into it Donovan opens a zoom chat and tries to sell the tech to buyers worldwide and as he's sending the data Weatherby has to hack the upload to stop it from completing once Weatherby stopped the upload Donovan panics and calls Bayman tells him to empty the vault and then they'll leave the island together so I just gotta do this because you've all episodes you've been saying Bayman. 
Bayman. Like Rayman. Yeah, Bayman. Or like a superhero, like Superman. Bayman. Well, it's Bayman. It's just Bayman. He's, he's a man of Bay. But it's a surname. He's my Bay. It's like, have you ever seen Friends? When they go, why, is it Spi- why isn't it Spider-Man? Yes. Like Goldman, Silverman. Because it's not his last name. He's not like Phil Spider-Man. <laughs> he's a spider um, man. I don't Bayman. know, though. I think it's pronounced Bayman in the games. I'll have to double fair check enough, that. I could, I, could, I could be wrong. I stand corrected if it is. I, I'm. I, I still. I, to be fair, I still could be wrong. I'd have to listen to the announcer again. But I think it's Bayman. Bayman wins. You, you made me. You make me doubt myself. You're so mean. Donovan heads for the control room. Weatherby says he needs more time to free the others. So Helena goes to basically fight Donovan in the corridor between the two rooms. Mm, gets um, her ass kicked. Gets her ass kicked. Max enters the vault and it's full of cash, but he's then knocked out by Bayman. Bayman. The bay leaf. Uh, <laughs> That's a Pokemon, isn't it? No, bay leaf, bay leaf is a type of leaf you put in pastas. Yeah, but but bay leaf is a. Is it? It might be poker. I mean, to be honest, bin bag is probably a Pokemon at this yeah. point. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Donovan hits Weatherby, slams his face into the keyboard, and grabs the data disc. That's there's a, a, a data disc that's meant to look futuristic, but really doesn't nowadays. <laughs> Sitting on the side, and he activates the island self destruct mechanism. As he runs off, Weatherby's hand reaches up, all injured. Oh, it's the final key. Clicks the thing, yeah, clicks the final key and deactivates the final lockout program. So the four main leads can now be mm-hmm. released from their from their chains and their shackles. Bayman fights Hayabusa in, uh, as he's trying to leave the vault. And Kasumi, Tina, Helena and Christy fight Donovan. So the might of all four of them together, hopefully, might be enough to take down one man in his shades. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Weatherby tries to stop the self-destruct but is told is it's, by the computer it's irreversible so they have to escape immediately and the time is running out as Tina and Kasumi fall to their deaths they're saved by Ayani and Hayate and Donovan loses his shades so finally they drop off his face so Kasumi puts a needle in the back of his neck so he's frozen there and then the group leap off it's the island it's such a shit Ending. It's such a shit finale for Eric Roberts. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like you're like they, they, he's just he's just left there sitting on his knees. Like, they jump off the edge as the whole island explodes. But even even just the shades falling off. Like you're watching it and you're just like, how didn't you see this coming? Yeah, Donovan, they're fucking sunglasses. Yeah, of course they're gonna fall off your head if you're fighting. He was looking for form over function. That's the problem. That's a design thing. If you ever do, de- if you know any designers yeah, out there, they'll yeah. tell you about form over function. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware. Yes, unfortunately, most things are form over function nowadays. I concur. You are. That's why I hate modern architecture. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, did you hear about that building? This was years ago. It was about ten years ago. That building in London they call the walkie-talkie. Right. Um, and it's it's got a curved front and it's all glass. Yep. And when the sun was hitting it in summer, it was refracting at an angle where it was melting the paint on car roofs. Oh, jeez. That were parked opposite <laughs> it. Yeah. That's terrible. Yes. I find a lot of designers nowadays aren't very smart. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, they must be smart to a degree, but like they're not very smart in terms of it's all about the look. To be fair... Once it's sold, not, they don't care. To be it's fair, like, it's not just designers. That's a lot of aspects about our society these days, isn't no, it? No, you're very true. It's all about how things look and not about if they're any good or not. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, they've all jumped off the island. They fall into the sea. The fire shoom then the fireball slowly consumes Donovan. 
as he's just sat there yeah. with a needle in yeah. the back of his a, neck. A film that had no gore in it decides to go to the effort of showing his skin and literally cringing and burning. Yeah, and then poor it, Eric Roberts. Yeah, it was, it, he deserved better than that. So they're now all floating in the sea, and Robin Shue returns, Luke Gang, uh, yeah, with his arm in the weirdest sling ever. Yeah, he it's must not have hurt like himself. this. It's sticking out like he's doing. I'm a little teapot. Well, he's a little teapot. I'm a little pirate. <laughs> anyway, so he pulls. He finds these people in the woods. Oh, who have we got? Pulls up the first person, and it just so happens to be Tina. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh no!" And she, not that voice. That's not Robin Shoe. <laughs> oh no! Comes from the north. Does Robin Shoe? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so and she, he punches him in the face and steals his boat, and then picks up all the others. Rocking song for montage. I've written here. I don't remember what, what song it was. I've just realised something here. Yep. Where have all the other fighters gone? So they're probably dead. So if... I'm I'd say, like, Bass know, and that. Because, to be fair, it wasn't the whole island that blew up, was it? It was just was Donovan's it lair. I thought it was the whole island. I'm not sure now. I can't remember. Um, I know that... if Because if, if it is the whole compound... Because I would have thought it would be at least the compound, but that's where they were all staying. Mm. So... I, I don't know if we see Bass at this point. Do they leave when they got eliminated, maybe? I know we don't see some of the smaller people like Brad Wong, for example, mm. but we see Brad Wong. The last time we see Brad Wong is just before the three girls go to look for Hayabusa. Mm. He's in the dining room that they're all chatting in, and you get one last shot of him, and I'm like, well, no one told him anything. Yeah. So I'm guessing when it blew up, he's dead. Yeah, They've just died. <laughs> Here's the thing. I believe more that it only blew up the lab. If it wasn't for the fact that it seemed to blow up the entire side mountain mm. with the right. Buddha head and everything else, you know, and, and it because cr- Donovan wasn't in the lab at that point, he was outside, mm. and he still got completely crisped in a massive yeah. flame ball. So it must have been a massive explosion, enough to yeah. uh, imagine at least damage or kill a lot of people in the compound. But they didn't care about that sort of stuff. That's that's details. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, absolutely. So one week later, the girls are chatting on the steps of Kasumi's palace talking about you know oh, the one in the back's cute oh no you always think everyone's cute and having a little bit of banter and then it, hundreds of Kasumi's guards rush to attack them yeah. they pose with swords credits I've literally put what even is that ending why yeah. are they all attacking her she's bought Hayate back yeah like she is I know she went Shinobi but she's basically saved their clan yeah so but they're still gonna kill her and the thing is I'm like okay fine if that's the case if that's the rules, but there's several things about that that still don't make sense. So, first of all, if Kasumi knew she would never be accepted again, why go back at all? Mm. Even with mates to help kill everyone. Yeah. So there's no reason for her to go back. However, the other side is, this is her clan, she's I'm assumedly grown up with them and been friends with mm. at least some of them at some point. But Ayani has spent the whole film trying to kill Kasumi, but Ayani's on the steps with them. Yeah. As one of the five. Oh, as soon as Hayate's reunited, she forgives everything. Yeah, so now she's going to kill the members of her own clan yeah. that she was following blatant orders yeah, yeah. to kill. It's an Sibor. awful ending. The, yeah, it makes no sense. It feels sense. like it was probably added in later. Probably. Like in a reshoot or something. Yeah, that, I reckon there was a lot of that. So, I don't want to take too long with this. In fact, I'm going to ignore the connections to other... Because this is one of films. our longest episodes. This is getting really long. But what I will say is this. The Hitomi character... The female Hitomi. I'm pretty certain something went wrong there with the with the actress. I don't know what. Don't know it. Yeah. I don't have any genuine facts on that. 
But because of the way they try to edit around her and the way that a lot of this film is actually broken up and edited oddly to try and avoid... It seems to be trying to avoid either certain characters or trying to avoid certain story threads and there's certain areas it's not where... a long film is it no so and it's there's believable certain... that stuff was cut out yeah yeah and there's certain points where characters seem to teleport from one place to another mm. so Bayman is sitting in his chair in the plane behind Tina and Bass when they're having their conversation and literally a split second later he's standing up at the back of the plane Mm. and Hayabusa's sitting in his seat and there's things like that going on so I think there's a lot of sequences in this that are not in the right order as they were written and certain things I reckon must have been filmed but then didn't make it to the final movie but they're not in the deleted scenes which leads me to believe that certainly we're trying to hide the real female Hitomi in the film as much as possible you only get the back of her head she's in the background of a shot and it's only for a split second. It makes me wonder if something went down where that, where she either refused to give them the rights to use her face if it was, you know, visible, or if they decided that there was something they didn't like about her and decided they were going to cut her out as much as possible. Or she pissed someone off. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So, yeah, but we don't know. It, yeah. uh, from what we've heard, it was a tumultuous production. Yeah, so I've got a bit here. So Jamie Presley, who plays Tina... Uh, she did an interview with Rotten Tomatoes, apparently, oh. where she revealed that she the reason she joined this production was because she wanted to work with Corey Ewan. Nice. Because he was, as he was I said, at the time. as I said, he was one of the, the best most well-renowned. Yeah. But the experience was hampered by language barriers between the cast and crew, as we've ma- I think we mentioned, we mentioned on that. this. Yeah, we did, yeah. Uh, only the first AD spoke any English. Yep, and the only one who spoke both. Yeah, yeah, and the script deviating from the game series storyline. Quote, a lot of bad stuff came up and happened, and it just didn't turn out the way that it should have. The finished film was not screened for critics, and she was only able to view it through an acquaintance of her My Name is Earl co-star Jason Lee. Wow. Mm. It sounds like one of those things where... It sounds like some people were trying to throw it away after yeah. it had gone through post-production. Yeah, it sounds like everyone's being professional, so no one's going to actually say. Yeah, it sounds but like it sounds there like might be a whistleblower required here somewhere. Yeah, it sounds like get the something bad happened. Yeah. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying a massive scandal like someone was, you know, no, no, beaten yeah. up for real no. or anything like that. No, no, no. But some someone obviously had a falling out... Or something. I mean, we've both made films. We both know that. Yeah, sometimes emotions run high, and sometimes people don't get over that. Um, yeah, but it's just it's it's such a shock. It is such a shock. So, oh shit! Before ja- sorry, another fact. Randomly, no, go 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 go. Uh, before Jamie Presley was cast, they actually considered two other WWE wrestlers to possibly play Tina. Yes, um, uh, Tori Wilson and Trish Stratus. Oh wow, Trish Stratus would have been a brilliant Tina. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not upset with it being James, uh, James Presley. Yeah. So okay. So first things first. Then let's discover what the worst line is of the film. I still think I'm still going to go with. Seems to be like my baby girl spotted herself a special friend. No, I, there's a worse one than that. I think that's the worst. What was the one I said? Is the unneeded line where they say about Shinobi and Outcast. That is a yeah. That's a bad line. Oh, the human weapon. No weapons are allowed in a DOA fight, except the human weapon. Okay, so I would be happily put in both. Yeah, because yeah, they're terrible, but for two different reasons. Fair so enough. yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, cool. So last part then, would you recommend this film, Jamie? I actually would. 
You would. I would recommend. You'd recommend a Paul W. S. Anderson related movie. It's not movie. a Paul W. S. Anderson film. Right. I said related. I would recommend this. I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't recommend it to women. <laughs> um, but no, no. no Empowerment. Actually, yeah. To be fair. To be fair, lesbians no, will love it. <laughs> to be fair, no. I'm. That's actually me being silly. Basically, I would recommend this to anyone who likes cheesy, um, so bad they're good films. Okay. Because I think this is... It's enjoyable. It's, it's enjoyable. I had a good, I've actually seen this three times now, and I've had a good time watching it every time. And I won't admit, I'm not a complicated person. That is partially because it's got very attractive women in it. Yeah. It's got enough comedy. It's quite short. What's the run time? It's not time? Really long. It's about an hour and a half, I think. Uh, 86 minutes, so we're not even touching an hour and a half. Which is why it's surprising that it seems there's a lot cut out. Yeah, it's it's not good. Like, for, I mean, for fuck's sake, the main villain's evil plot is evil sunglasses. That's what we're talking <laughs> I'm about. Here. Sunglasses. But I, actually, okay. it's not a chore to watch it. This, no. is, this is the kind of film. I tell you what, this is the kind of film. This is the kind of film that me and my housemates at uni would get drunk and put on on a Friday night. So you, you yeah, so you're recommending it? I'm wow, recommend it. Yeah, fucking hell, of all the films. Yeah. Well, it is Valentine's yeah. Day, ladies and gentlemen. Fuck your Jamie's, Jamie's got love. So, would I recommend it? Oh, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> this my because oh, if I don't recommend it, it'd be the first time that you've recommended something I don't. But actually, I don't think it's that bad a film. Join us. <laughs> oh, I've obviously got a different perspective because I'm like, would I watch this with Susie? I don't oh, know. Well, no, <laughs> <Are> you, no. <laughs> you don't watch it with your wife. Well, no, that's my point. It's like. In certain situations, you really couldn't recommend it. No, to be fair, I think you could as well. Like, like to be fair, maybe it's just it's, some of the. It's scum- not blatant porn. Going to say maybe yeah. it's just some of the scummy films I've seen, but this is very tame compared to some. Yeah, movies to be fair, I've seen. and I mean, even though Hackers has a lot less flesh in it than this, at least we're not seeing sixteen-year-old Borthole. Yeah, that's why that's a that's that's a plus. Yes, all these women are very much uh, legal. <laughs> I wasn't going to use the word legal. Legal. Uh, we're not of age. We're not going to Prince Andrew this one. We're going <laughs> to keep it legit. I was in a Pizza Express in Woking. I don't sweat. I don't know if you know. It's I just varnish. Oh. <laughs> oh. Anyway, yeah. Okay, fine. I'll recommend it. I'll recommend it for cheesy action fans. Am I right? Uh, I'm thinking this is only our second double recommend. The only other one being Welcome to Raccoon City. No, you recommended. I think you half recommended Mortal Kombat, actually. That don't sound like me. No. <laughs> I'm pretty certain you did. Let me just get that up. And I would recommend it to the kinds of people who enjoy cheesy B-movies. Yes. Like the sorts of people who will watch like sci-fi original movies and yeah, stuff. That's me. <laughs> um, I would recommend it to them. Yes, you did. So you've, you fully recommended Welcome to Raccoon City and you half recommended for cheesy B-movie fans Mortal Kombat. So, side, but this is not a fact anyone cares about. I'm just looking up Holly Valance on the internet. Did you know she married a bloke and her name now is Holly Candy? That's terrible. That's uh, just that's keep Valance as your stage. Oh, that's name. a stage name, yeah. yeah. But it, ironically, Holly Candy sounds like the stage name. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's been this. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, please do share us around with all your friends. Uh, I know this one was a bit long, but it's Valentine's Day. Why not? Let's get into the romance of titties. Uh, 
But yeah, thank you very much for joining us. As I say, please go check out the blog on cyberpunkstudios.co.uk. Share us with your friends. We're at vgmovie.co.uk. And please do join our Discord. Be part of that conversation. Suggest articles to me, actually, because I'm quite happy to look into stuff in depth. I know it seems a little bit like I've got is it ADHD where you're like hi- no it's just hyper focus I suppose where you hyper autism maybe autism that's the hyper where you hi- yeah where you hyper focus on something I don't think I haven't got autism but I do hyper focus on shit so and as you'll see by the very detailed breakdown I give of where the feck is Hitomi and mm. who is this guy in yellow you'll see that I actually do a lot of research um, so check this Holly Valance doesn't live in Australia anymore she lives right here in the United Kingdom she just lives uh, nearby I, uh, <laughs> I, I'll i see you later. I'm going to be taking a brief break from this podcast where, where she to is. go and get a restraining order. <laughs> yeah, I've got to collect a restraining order now. Uh, Holly Valance lives in the UK. <laughs> Her sister's name is Olympia Valance. Really? Mm. Holly and Olympia? Who's younger than me. That's depressing. <laughs> Maybe she can be Christy Jr. in Dead or Alive 2. Do you reckon they should make a sequel to this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a no no, no. <laughs> but yeah sorry so share us with your friends we're trying to get our listener base up and I think we've got the the chutzpah to do it the chutzpah the chutzpah I think is that Jewish or is that is that some sort of Americanism uh, it's an Americanism Jewish, for sure is it just Jewish okay well I'm not Jewish but I, I will use the chutzpah is it, I, I can't even say I'm going to stop before I'm killed by the internet thanks for joining us we'll catch you next time on Video Game Movie Podcast. Say goodbye, Jamie. Bye. No, you say goodbye, Jamie. Goodbye, Jamie. Oh, that's so cheesy. I knew you didn't do that. Yeah.